match day program carried out by Carl Riley. Uh, renowned historian here at Shamrock Rovers. You blocking? I'm not blocking. You block after block after block. Oh, oh. Yeah! Yeah! Oh, I all fucking believe it. Fuck! What a racket. Episode 241 and it's me Gary P and of course it's the prof, it's Carl Riley. You're not going to dress me by my proper title now Gar? You you cannot actually, I, what was it, renowned historian? Renowned historian. RH, so if you're not familiar, prof gets a little shit out every so often on RTE. No this is the first time I think. And no, well, they, they credit you I think for your stats, well I hope so. Um, Con Murphy has credited me yeah, on Con, TV. Con plays the game. Uh, but not RT, you know. Who was it? Adrian Ames? Yeah. So, out nowhere. He had asked me for stats, so I sent it to him, yeah. Renowned historian. It was a bit cringe. Carl <laughs> Riley. Uh, and when I'm, I heard it, I just like, oh my God. Never living it down. I'm never going to live this down. I'll never hear the end of this. Even in work. Even, put even, you on the roster. Renowned historian. <laughs> yeah, speaking of work, someone comes up to me. You probably know who it is by the voice. Just calls me over and he goes, I heard you mention on the telly. <laughs> and I said, Jesus, I work with that fella. <laughs> We're now on the story. And oh, then man. <laughs> another work thing was not none to do with this this incident. But I was trying to get a swap in work uh, with this girl who, but we were on different shifts, so I couldn't ask her. So I had a friend ask her because I didn't have her, her phone number. And so he asked her and said, do you want to swap with Carol days, nights? And she goes, who? We've been working together now four years. And she goes, Carl, Carl Riley. Who? The prof. The professor. A professor works here? <laughs> it's like someone else. And then your man just walked away. He's like, I actually can't deal with this. And he goes, renowned historian. She goes, ah, I know who it is. <laughs> These no. are the people I work with here. That is the case, though. I mean, the place is so vast. There's people, you'd be, you'd, they'd walk by and be like, don't know you. You work here. <laughs> yeah, so this week, we'll, uh, of course, Ocean Electrical and Leicester Credit uh, are fantastic sponsors for life forever, and they're always looking after us, so check them out. Can they look after you when you're in the middle of uh, some insane thunder and lightning? That was nuts. We, Jaden, we were mid-match up in Leicester Celtic, and it was nuts, man. Honestly, I genuinely thought Jaden got hit by lightning, because he was mid-tackle. So, as they were mid-tackle, right, 
he went up, no, it was up for a header. So two of them went up for it. And the lightning struck in between their bodies, but in the distance. So it looked like it struck the two of them, and then they both fell. So I was like, what the fuck? Gary, I don't have kids, but that was me. I've been like your man at the P-Man game. Kid, drag, kid yeah. under my arm, run after. Honestly, because it, it the timing couldn't have been better. Because it, it <laughs> the lightning struck in the background, but in between the two of them, and they both fell. I was like, "What? What the fuck?" It was nuts. Game called off about sixty minutes in, maybe, but uh, absolute mayhem. Barry was training. Said not bothered to him. Talat was under siege. Talat yeah. was uh, underwater. Was Kevin gaff. Costner floating around. There's a gaff and Talat got struck by lightning. See that? See the How top of top of the to roof. Be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so crazy, crazy. And this was after the warmest afternoon of the year so far. This happened. Mm. Literally, it's. I don't, I don't like the wet, really warm weather. It's like the wet season in Australia, isn't it? It's really, really warm. It's raining. Yeah. Not like that. Everything's sweaty. But yeah, this week we'll talk about a great win over Bowles. Dublin is green and white prof. And we previewed a UCD bowl. And there's an interview with former Rovers right back Simon Madden. Who played under five different hoops managers? So, uh, fan favorite at the time, prof. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when did he join us? Two thousand eight. Then he left. Uh, two thousand started two thousand ten. We were kind of curious about that, wasn't he? he? Didn't play at all in the second half of two thousand nine. Yeah, and we touch on it in the actual interview yeah. as well. We always thought it was an injury, but and then Crotty brought him back after he won the cup with Derry, and he played the first season and a half of Brazzer. So. Uh, yeah, five different house managers. Seven if you count Jim Crawford and John Gill. So he's penned under a lot of managers. John Crawford and John Gill. Mr. Consistence is what he was known as, wasn't he? Yeah, remember that streak? We bring that up as well. That streak of That was actually the only exciting thing about that, is that we'd hope he wouldn't miss a game. That was what our ambitions were as a team when those managers were around, is that let's hope Simon Madden gets a good few games consistently and without missing one. That's how, yeah. that's how sad that era was yeah that and can we win a corner as yeah. well as in most, most, most of these games uh, yeah so some of the questions you are sent in through Instagram and all that we couldn't really ask them such as how come you can't cross your legs I mean that's just awkward yeah I get the whole like fan hilarity of it but we're on a zoom call with them I'm going to say <laughs> fans will know why you're rubbish at crossing the ball what's I mean, he going to say to that Let's be honest, he made us pull our hair out many a time, mm. but he was the ultimate pro, as in, as in, look at that run of appearances. And I suppose I call him an out in the interview, doesn't he? He was a brilliant outlet, but he was over-relied on. Absolutely. By yeah. too many managers. And I think our play broke down quite a lot because it was just like, get ball, give it to Simon, he's going to run, you're going to whip it in and see what happens. So yeah. I think we had to break that cycle, didn't we? Yeah, but Ethan Boyle was not the answer, unfortunately. Mm. But well, Garrett, yeah, like you say, Ethan Derby Boyle. win. We literally replaced him with Ethan Boyle. Oh, God, I'll start. What a time to be a hooker. Two Derby wins out of two. Claire Byrne, out of the running for the Late Late Show. Mick McCarthy, hopefully on the mend. It, do you know what? It's been such a deadly few weeks following the hoops. Like, away wins, like, away in, away in Daily Mount, away in... Uh, uh, Oriel Wayne uh, the Brandywell like all these games that we've won and consistently building form it's been unbelievable imagine I said to you in February or sorry imagine I said to you after the first six games that we're going to go away to Derry 
how the Bows are going to win both with clean sheets with Leon Paul's in goal. With Leon Paul saving a penalty in the Brandywell <laughs> and having a possible man of the match performance against Bows at home. Um, Keen Roach Prof, he messaged us buzzing to hear the Prophets doing some bits on the Kildare Rovers link as a Newbridge man living in D12 in the Hotbed Prof, an ex Kildare County regular from 2004 2009 who converted to Rovers when around 2012 I'd have a vested interest. Now, he didn't specify the 12 there. He could be in Drimna, but we'll take it. It's D12. We'll take it. Um, very interesting to hear fans from defunct clubs join yeah. in. Yeah, we have our old man there, James yeah. Lowe, isn't the former sporting finger. Um, um, 23 yeah. followers, prof, nearly at 2K. Big celebration. Hoping to push it over the line now. If you're not following us on Twitter, follow us at East Pod. Nearly at the 2,000 mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that... Um, that article about the, the Kildare links that we go on the past programme. We also had Alan Eustace sent us in. You didn't quite go as far with the praise for John Martin, he's our new CEO, as the boys on Between the Stripes did. They said, you'll have robbers in the group stages of the Champions League by 2030. That was their quote. Very interesting. Now, considering that a CEO is nothing got to do with what happens on the pitch, it's an interesting quote. CEO hmm. was pretty much really big and up there. He was bringing at, money in, and he was that long. Sporting at, like a director uh, of football would have dealing with with, with with pitch matters, football department. I don't think a CEO necessarily has anything to do with actually what happens on the pitch. No, more investment, you could say. Like, I mean, look oh, at, absolutely. Look yeah. at Newcastle now; they're in the top three. Yeah, big investment. You could say yeah. their owners could have them in X X Y Z by twenty thirty. Um. Yeah, Gary nearly lost their flag again. I think you're actively trying to lose at this stage. Do you know what the problem is? Because I don't bring it every week. I just forget. So I'm going to have to start getting myself into a routine to bring it every week and then go, here's the routine, put the flag up, take the flag down. That's what I should do. But it's now, Mitzi's using it as a bed sheet. So it's going, it's going to the <laughs> place. He looks after it. He hit like a cradle, like a newborn child in the south stand. So I think it's in safe hands. Used to be me and Al looking after, isn't it? Remember in the in the Crotty era, me and Al would hang up the old flag. <laughs> they only had one flag back then. I have the other one somewhere. The other one's up in Jaden's room, actually, up on his wall, a door on his wall. Um, yeah. So Darren Dillon, prof, former S and C coach, his first episode of his pod is out in the name of the father, Paddy Holland, ex MMA and UFC fighter, and then episode number two, prof. It's a big one. Jack Bourne. Ooh. Yeah, so I'm interested in that. That's for your walks around wherever you want to go. Get your steps in and, uh, yeah, mm. stick old Darren Dillon on. Two different, probably, I don't know what age Paddy lost his dad, but um, Jack lost his at an early age, so that could be two different types of interviews, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Depending Jack. how long a relationship you have with your dad. One of Ireland's centenarians, Paddy Linney, has been remembered as having a long and full, blessed life with great energy and happiness following his death. So, Walkinstown resident Paddy Linney died on Wednesday, April 19th, following a short illness, staggeringly reaching his 100th birthday. So, um, yeah, so a fine age and a good Rovers man. I was reading a bit about this, is from the Echo, yeah. He, he went to a European match last year, a Rovers match, and that was his first live Rovers game in 38 years. But he had been following us since 1944. Yeah. Uh, his dad served in the Irish Civil War under Michael Collins. Whoa. And he was on the Late Late Show at one point. Um, I don't know, was it was he 100 then when he was on the Late Late? But, uh, but yeah, 
and fascinating story from uh, Paddy Linney. So once again, our condolences to uh, the Linney family. And I was in the in the members bar before the game, and James Lowe was having a look at the program, and he observes that, geez, the program is a lot better now since I left. <laughs> Just <been hard. laughs> That's some put down from himself. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but he's thinking of making a comeback, at least for one time only, because he's fascinated by ChatGPT, and he wants to write an article in the program about ChatGPT because you can ask it anything, and it'll spit out anything. And he said he asked about Rovers. He wanted a story about Rovers, and Bowes. It's more AI fans. stuff, yeah. Yeah, and he said it was the funniest thing he'd ever heard. And here's what it gave us. In the vibrant city of Dublin, Ireland, the rivalry between Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians was legendary, fueling the passion and excitement of football fans across the nation. But beyond the fierce competition on the pitch, there existed a unique bond between the fans of both clubs. A bond that defied rivalry and united them in a shared love of the beautiful game. (laughs) On match days, the streets of Dublin would come alive with a sea of green and white for Shamrock Rovers and red of black. For Bohemians, the air buzzed with anticipation as fans from both sides made their way to the stadium, their chants and songs intertwining, creating a symphony of football fervour. It was a brisk autumn evening, and Denny Mount Park, the home ground of Bohemians, was about to host another chapter in this age-old rivalry. The atmosphere crackled with tension, but amidst the rivalry, there was also a sense of respect. Fans clad in their team colours engaged in light-hearted banter, exchanging good-natured taunts and jokes. As the match kicked off, the cheers and chants intensified. The passion was palpable, reverberating through the stands. Each goal attempt, every tackle, every save, was met with a chorus of roars and gasps. It was a spectacle that showcased the dedication and love these fans had for their respective clubs. But it wasn't just about the game. The camaraderie, mutual respect between the Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians fans were evident throughout the match. In the spirit of sportsmanship, fans from both sides cheered impressive plays and acknowledged the skill of their opponents. Impressive plays. Yes. The fierce rivalry momentarily took a backseat to celebrate the shared joy of the beautiful game. As the final whistle blew, the match ended in a hard-fought draw. The players, though exhausted, acknowledged the efforts of their opponents, shaking hands and exchanging jerseys. But it was the fans who stole the show in that moment. A testament to the unique bond that united them. Oh my god. <laughs> After the match, fans from both clubs gathered at nearby pubs to share their passion for football, recounting the highs and lows of the game. The conversations flowed freely, with anecdotes of past matches, tales of football heroes and predictions for the this future. This is like a twisted Lord of the Rings <laughs> shit fairy tale. This is dumb. this is 100% written by a rugby fan. <laughs> the, li- the lines that separated the green and white from the red and black blurred. As fans mingled, forming new friendships and strengthening existing ones. In the weeks that followed, the fans continued to support their respective clubs, attending matches and cheering on their teams with unwavering enthusiasm. But whenever Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians clashed on the pitch, there was always a sense of shared excitement and camaraderie between the fans. Outside of match days, fans from both clubs often came together for charity events, no, <laughs> community initiatives don't. and social gatherings. They collaborated on fundraising efforts, used their shared passion for football to make a positive impact in their local communities. Their united front showed that football had the power to transcend rivalries and bring people together for a greater cause. And finally, as the years went by, 
The Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians fans became symbols of unity in a footballing landscape, often dominated by rivalry and division. Their unwavering support for their clubs remained intact, but they had also formed lasting friendships and memories that transcended the boundaries of competition. In the end, the story of Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians fans was a testament to the power of football to bridge gaps and unite people from diverse backgrounds. Their shared love for the game had allowed them to see beyond rivalry, fostering a sense of community and camaraderie. How many times did you use that word? That would endure. Is there long, an author for this? That would endure long after the final whistle had blown. Did someone sign off on that? What's the person's name? Well, AI signed off. That's what it came up with. That's the biggest lot of shit I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. Maybe we've done the very rugby tinted, isn't it? Maybe we've done the worry about with the AI. Shamrock Rovers fans, meet with the bowels and talk of football tales of yore. No, it doesn't happen. I well, maybe I'll I save it for next week, but you can ask it anything. It asks us about us. Does it talk or does it just give you a script? Uh like it just it just says tell me about you can this. Ask or, it about us? Yeah, it know it knows about the podcast. It described it said that we record in Carl Spare's spare room. How does it know that? No, it didn't. Well, it's not really a spare room, but... <laughs> Are you messing? No. You can also tell me a story about the downfall of Tales from the East End, and that just makes up a story about how we fell apart. How you and I argued and it went haywire. Are you fucking messing <laughs> with me, man? No. Oh, no. I'm going to have a field day with this when I go home. <laughs> yeah. That's scary stuff. Um, yes, the AI section, anyway. Uh, yeah, so proper another night to remember in Tala, a derby victory, 2-0 win over Bowes in Tala Stadium. And um, this was a very enjoyable night, Prof. Oh, I, yes. I, do you know what I said before? I was talking to Dunster and yourself, actually, at the women's game. Yes, I was at the women's game. Finally. And um, I was thinking, you actually missed this game. The Finn Harps spectacle that was Jack being unveiled... I know Drada was. Drada. Jack being unveiled, winning the league on the night, full house, everybody having the crack. I was thinking to myself, I can't get any better than this. We outdid ourselves. This was something else. This was outrageous. This, this had everything. Even the ball, even the penalty decision just made it better. Oh, it's glorious. Glorious, glorious decision. Um, Gaffney and Bork on the bench, Prof. I thought to myself, okay, relax here. and It's not the worst thing in the world, but we always said pre-game, is that Gaffney and Burke star versus Bowes. But I was surprised by Burke. Whatever about Gaffney, he's only maybe he's come back to full fitness, but I just thought he'll always play Burke against Bowes. Yeah. We don't know what's going on, but listen, it worked in the end. But the build-up, um, the Parsons household was buzzing all week. I've, I've finally gotten to the stage in the house where everyone's talking about it. It's not just me pushing it on them. Everyone's talking about it. Bowes this, Rovers that, Rovers. So it's there. The build-up is a, is now re- reached everyone. You must be loving this. The build-up has yeah, I've ruined them. <laughs> it's re, it's everyone is is ruined. So it's it's touched out and it's it's now to the point of where they're predicting teams and we're talking about who's gonna do it. Moya, Moya said to me the other day, she goes, "Did you see Pat's be Cork?" Wow. I was like, "You're a." You're an eight-year-old girl. I'm a proud dad right now. <laughs> Did you see the Pats? The Pats. Did you see the Pats beat Cork? I was like, what is going on? She has live scores. You don't know the live score. <laughs> um, yeah, so build-up was great, Prof. Um, Not as nervous as 
nowhere near as nervous as the the one in Daily Mount. That was I. That this was the most nervous since the cup nail on the head. Nail on the head here, Prof. I even gave her score prediction last week yeah, in the podcast. You slipped out, boy. It slipped out by accident. But either way, you get it, and you didn't take it back. But the thing was, I was extremely relaxed all week, in as opposed to the usual intense, roiled up self that leads up to a derby. In my head, I just thought to myself, "We are not going to lose." I am so confident, even without Alamanis. I was never sure of anything in my life that we'd win this game. I don't know what it was. It was just in me. Do you know what I mean? It was in me. I feel quite confident as well. Yeah, it's the first time in a long time. Because normally these games can come down to... Well, maybe you could argue it did. It came down to officials' decisions. But we scored too. Um, sure, Leon would have saved the pen anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I got there for maybe... Just before half six, now the parking spot to be found. Into the Maldron, into the member suite, picked up the scarf. Members members uh, bar, jammed. Couldn't get a drink. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with the scarf. It's it's actual scarf material and it has the current year in it. Yeah, it's actually lovely. So it's I'm very, very it. nice. So thanks for your pity scarf. <laughs> and your guilt scarf. Um, <laughs> downstairs, rammed beyond belief. So the quicker we get this bar open in the stadium, the better. Because... Even saying that, some of the regulars that we kind of we have our little click with, the likes of Carl Kearns and the James Lowe's and stuff like that, I saw them in the suite and I was like, I haven't seen you in ages. <laughs> and they were like, oh, it's been too long and stuff like that, but I hadn't seen them in such a long time and I was thinking to myself, it's purely down to the bar not being around because you'd always see everybody in the suite beforehand. you go in and everyone would be there. Yeah. All your little click that exists within, within your social circle. So in saying that, the first complaint... That Carl Cairns had. He goes, went up there. Got a plate of food. 16 euro. I was like, Carl. I actually warned him as he went you, up. And in my head I was thinking, he, he's even fallen that far off he doesn't listen to the pod anymore because we gave out about this plenty of times. Oh, yes. So Carl Cairns, get your finger out. But, um, yeah, it's uh, everywhere it was jammed. Couldn't get a drink up. Couldn't get a drink down. Every, they actually opened up another bar, Right. The the tour bar got opened up in the in the in the Maldron, and I went to get a drink there. Within five minutes, I couldn't get a drink. So, I've only been downstairs once since uh, all the, since this season, and I only had one drink, so I wasn't really I didn't know how jammers it was or anything. But I've always been upstairs. Um, but yeah, the ultras guy had a had an old banner. This was deadly. I think it was Emma Wheatley holding Devine's head. Was that who it was? Severed head. Um, no, it was class. It was a... Was it, was it Mary Shannon raising the Irish Republic flag? There's some flag historical element there. Over it's, the GPO on Easter Sunday. Uh, someone explained it's that It's very, us. very cool. And Devine, since he's coming from Derry. Uh, or or another fan explained it. Uh, some mad joke with a sword. Some mad joke with a sword, yeah. Do you know what? People don't realise what actually goes into these things because look how, look how big and extensive that was. Look at the actual poles that hold it up. These things don't just... You don't just order them off wish and they arrive and you just stick it in the stadium and you're done. These are done from scratch. These were nothing at one stage. This was a blank canvas. And the lads actively went about, got the crayons, and <laughs> the crayon sounds bad, doesn't it? Got all, their, got all their gear together and actually made this. Where did they do it? Didn't someone say that on Twitter before? They stabbed the other The crayons, yeah. The crayons, I think it was yeah. the, 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 the old Danes, what was it? We fear no Danes. I think yeah. that was the one they were slagging. But when you think about what what it actually takes to put this type of thing together, 
it's nuts. It's insane. And I'm officially a smoke fan instead of flares now. Mm. Much bigger smoke fan. The smoke, whatever, whoever had it, unbelievable, man. It just swallowed the south stand. It just swallowed everybody up. Rob Lavelle's dad, not a fan of smoke. He says, fuck off with your smoke. I can't see the game now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so we had that and we had another banner. First blood, last blood, always bows. That blood. was unraveled as we were putting them to the sword. And yeah, the, do you notice the stadium was nearly full 10 minutes before kickoff? I haven't seen that before. Normally, you get the stragglers and you look around and you're like, okay, it's a sellout, but it doesn't look like it yet. This was nearly everybody was in their seat by t- 10, 10 minutes. To- there was a standby list. There was people <laughs> waiting outside. Now, I don't know how these tickets get freed up, but there was people waiting outside for tickets to a row, a, like come, come about. Isn't that nuts? I'll just stand outside that something will happen, someone will offer me a ticket. That Absolutely insane. But these these like things would just be it's unheard of years ago. Uh, just final note on the bar. Uh, I always get two points now when I go up because I know the queue is going to be mental. So I'm with Sean Byrne and I just go, uh, two Guinness please. And then Sean goes, one Guinness please. I just turn to Sean and he goes, I always get two Sean because I am not coming up here again. And he goes, Two Guinness, please. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dunster was the same. What's your Guinness? Are you happy with it? In it's, that room, it's better than the one it's downstairs. It's better than downstairs, yeah. yeah. Dunster was the same. He came back, having queued up a second time. He's like, you're a wise man, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lovely weather. Absolutely cracking day. I thought, uh, I, I said this to you about Talent on a sunny day. There's no better feeling than a Dublin derby, full to the rafters jam-packed everybody's in sun is slowly setting but it's still beaming you can feel it and it's just the place is rammed it's just a special special feeling not just the sun but the clouds a, a scotland flag actually formed in the sky did you a see scotland? that no no <laughs> george kelly got a snap and he, it's like twiggy our lord was looking watching down us over the the derby um, it was magic it really was um yeah so the i, I threw up the program article about greener on Facebook so people can have a read of that uh, I showed the greener actually he loved it of course he loved it well I was happy with that but um, he is do you know what he's he's more responsive than your average footballer do you know what I mean like he he commented and he spoke about it and it just doesn't leave a, a couple of words in a conversation you probably go back and forth and have a good conversation with you about it you know that's the yeah. down to earth dude that he is um, on other it was planes, trains and automobiles all sorts going on Pride of Rings End ran a bus again fair play to them they are flying but young Stafford's cousin I think he, might, he nearly had the baby seat out from <laughs> he was crammed I thought he was in a baby seat he was cramped in they, they had a trouble with, bu- with a bus so they overbooked it or someone sent them a wrong bus but they all he was in the baby seat they all got to the game anyway and it was, it was because he, he ordered a pair of kids trousers for the wedding as well so he shops in the kids in the kids section and he is the baby seat for the bus can't catch a break Stafford's cousin um, starting the game prof and the buzz was real coming out um, smoke from the bowl section and just a big big display from us and then game on prof first chance fell to Johnny Kenny uh, seemed like a tight enough angle didn't it I'm going by memory because the bleeding highlights won't show you anything from the first half hour. First time in a while I've not had I've had an issue with the highlights. They've always been brilliant. They've been really good. They didn't show. I'd say I think Phelan Warren pointed it out in the the last man standing uh, golden goal chat is that they 
they literally missed so much. They missed the Leon Paul saves we talked about in a while. Two saves, they missed yeah. the Richie Tell incidents. Crazy stuff, man. Crazy. I don't know why they wouldn't include it. I don't know. It was a lazy one, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, so Kenny had the first chance, so he hit that one wide. And then you had two Trevor Clark chances. Yeah, I think Trev was was doing really well. Good start, couldn't cope with him. And he, he, I think he needs to hit the target with these. I think he stroked up wide. Was the second one where Jack did outrageous pass where he arcs That the pass ball. wasn't even in the highlights. Oh, come on. It was... One of the best passes I've ever seen live. This is one of those passes Incredible. that ends up in that on that road to Derry in the temporal causality. It sends you into a vortex and you're just stuck in a time-space continuum. I was just looking at it and I was like, did he actually just do that? It, it was ridiculous. It was like, do you ever play that game on your phone? It's called kickoff or football and you have to bend the ball around the wall and you use your finger <laughs> to do it. It was like one of those passes. It was absolutely ridiculous. And they still yeah. didn't show it. I think that was the one where Trevor... Trevor should have hit the target with that, I think. It was either that one or the one before where he should have scored, but also we had two players waiting in the box. He could have squared it, yeah. So he could have squared but that Once one. again, we didn't see the highlights. We can't even actually properly analyse it. If we watched the game back as well. but Well, we could have watched it in the RT player, yeah, we could have, but... Um, Last 10-15 minutes, Bowes did come back into it. Yeah, you. we were wondering about corners. Seven corners to no corners for us. And um, I thought Gary O'Neill was brilliant in the middle of the park all game. He was my man in the match. I think he just bossed it, him and Richie. And Richie in a little bit more of an advanced role, which we kind of predicted. I thought Poom might get up there a little bit, but he was uh, in the middle with Gary O'Neill and great to see Richie full of energy again and getting stuck mm. in and having another really, really good performance. Was it you or someone else said that just saying that Richie has energy is... We kind of, were disagreeing with that. It's understanding him, really. He's bringing a lot more to the team than but just we disagreed energy. with that initially. Yeah. We were saying, Richie, tell you, Richie hasn't got energy. But now he does, but he's got a lot more to his game. I think it's... That's a possible little knock to say someone brings energy to it. You know, it's like saying mm. someone has heart. You know, ah, he has heart. He runs mm. around, you know. It's a word you associate with an impact sub, isn't it? Possibly, yeah. You bring on some energy. So we had Leon's first save where he had to knock the ball over the bar with his leg. This uh, was one of these where the gasps were audible. Oh yeah! So it drops. It was. I think he just squares a ball, and I'm looking at it going, "Where, where is the defenders?" All the time in the world, a lot, a couple of guys around me thought he should have took a shot the first time. Takes a touch, which I thought was the right one, and it was just like that. It was like. <gasps> oh, great save! Tips. I think he got it with his leg, was it? Yeah, his leg. Paddy Kirk, I think it was. Same for the second one. It was just like your heart stopped. Uh, but again, he says. So yeah, we're under a little bit of pressure here. Uh, like you say, seven corners. They seem to all be in a row almost. They were superb corners as well. Yeah, Ali they, were, Koo, they were dangerous. Ali Koo was really, really good player. He's such a good player. His delivery. You ran the show on the Man for the first 20 and then we took over. Yeah, I just feel that we were, like, they were brilliant corners and they were dangerous, but I just feel like as a defensive unit, we've come a long way in defending corners and I just fancy any of our four defenders to win every duel that they're in, so I'm always confident. Um, so they had an exciting enough first half, but um, I wasn't, like, I wasn't overly worried or anything. I was like, okay, they've had a spell there. Yeah. Like I said, I was confident. I feel, still felt that we're going to win this game. Yeah, I was confident that um, 
I think I text you or I text into the group and I said the subs will change this. Absolutely, 100%. And I'm going to take a little bump on this one because I said that Horton is the one to target. Every time I watch the highlights, Horton's the centre half and he struggles out wide. Hashtag Brad's a listens. We'll move on and we'll talk about that soon. But uh, second half, Prof. Kenny stings the palms of Talbot. Love that saying. Stung the palms. I do. I'm actually a big fan of that phrase. Yeah. Yeah, so another Kenny chance to uh, take the lead, but Gary, it's Trevor Clark who ultimately breaks the deadlock. Yeah, so Trevor Clark, so um, a superb bit of play at wide with Neil Farouja, who is... Involved in both goals. Involved in both goals, absolutely superb at wide. A inch-perfect cross, not too much pace on it, perfectly floated in, and Kenny gets up well. He does pretty much everything right, and it is a superb save from Weetabix wrists, and... Um, Straight into the path of Trevor Clark, and boom, we had only been talking about a fellow beside me had Trevor Clark at twenty to one, and he had missed one or two chances. Those odds seem high, don't mad they? odds. But in fairness, Lee Grace is always up that, so I think he's regarded as a defender now. Because he scored in the two last. I think he's seen as games. a defender now, but a bookie. So yeah, so Clark, this fella is jumping around the place, and he got his twenty to one up. So I was delighted yeah. from, but lovely right footed finish and buried and cue the mayhem, prof. <laughs> the the clips of the of the celebrations of Selsand they're brilliant. There's a fellow with his feet up in the air, a fellow just drops out of view. Uh, I think, he I think he Mero, dropped out of the sky. Merrill said he was sit, he was there and your man just appeared <laughs> over his the head. The sky gave birth to a Rovers fan and just plunked him right in front of, <laughs> of Merrill. Because you yeah. you could see Trevor Clark doing the ear celebration and then you just see a fella yeah. plopping out of the sky over the over yeah. the, the south stand. That was Clark's response to uh, the attention he was getting from the Bowls fans. Yeah, the whole attention, match. let's say. Yeah. Um, he was subbed pretty soon then. Apparently he was sick and nauseous at half time. And, but 60 minutes of madness is what Trevor Clark gives you. But the doc gave him, gave him something to get him through the 15 minutes. Got the goal, then we gave him the That's hook. That's it, gave him the hook. So, job done. And uh, and Ker- I, just, I mentioned the Greener article. What did I say in the Greener article? There was that quote, which I didn't even I didn't even print it in full. It was when Greener scored the famous goal in uh, the mud bath in Denny Mount Park. He had been in Talbot's ear the whole game, saying, you're going to drop one. And I'm going to be there to tap it in. I said it last week. That is ominous. <laughs> That's like whispering someone into their ear. You know, I'll be there. <laughs> Whisper. How many goals have we scored against Talbot like this? Now, in fairness, it's a great save. It is a good save, yeah. But it's, it's you know what it's like? It's like Bradzer says, we're going to test him. You follow up every time. Test L butter hands. Fiberglass wrists. Papa Dom wrists. Papa Dom wrists. Custard arms. <laughs> Custard, <laughs> Custard cream arms. That's my favourite. That's all he needs. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, how long have we been singing Talbot shits the bed? We, we've been singing it as a wind-up. But the more we sing it, it's like it's coming true now. It's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> like, honestly, what, like, how, how do you respond to that? <laughs> I love how... His sports file snaps of him conceding goals to he's us. He's up there with... You could almost make a photo album of it now. He's up there with... Um, what's his name? Plays for United Centre Half. Makes ridiculous faces when he's playing football. Jones? Oh, Jones, yeah. They're Jones, yeah. yeah. He has loads of them. There's man. loads of them. And it was, it was superb. And um, 
after that we just took control I felt I felt Gary O'Neill in the middle once again absolutely superb he was brilliant he bossed it in there him and Richie well, both, they, both had a little spell where they were chasing the equaliser yeah I, I didn't no one really pound, impressed me from out. them I'm trying to think back half a lab he was poor even his hold of play wasn't great mm. um, the two boys I'd say they, like I think Jason Maloney mm. said it, they must have been uh, singing praises when they didn't see Brazzar picking uh, Gaff but mm. um, they were still pulled all over the place well there was the Leon save the second one that was an important one yeah Leon from one thing what I did notice and I said it to Big Daddy Keaton I said have you noticed in the first half that I'm, I'm nearly sure that Leon didn't get one ball to feed yeah you were saying this yeah so I'm not sure what the approach was there it worked in the end but in the second half he was like fucking Pirlo <laughs> left foot right foot stroking it around confidence I was like this is an insane second half compared to the first you'd have, you'd have to assume all these things decisions there are deliberate I'm sure it comes down to the finest of details yeah I think so when, I'd give, and back, I'd, when not to pass absolutely back. I'd give yeah. them the credit for that I'd give them because yeah. that's not how we play so it's obviously we switched it up, but but um, yeah, Leon stood up for, for us twice. When big asked, time, man. and we'll be talking about the penalty now, since that's all any other podcast oh, is talking about. Um, so first of all, there's a red card offence foul on Gary O'Neill in the middle of the park, elbow in the head. He, due to his unconscious legs, just jolting over him. He passes the ball back. Makes a wayward pass, not his fault. He's attacked violently. Afalabi's true on goal. Um, pokes Daniel Cleary in the eyes just as he's going by him. <laughs> and then a superb tackle, all ball, brilliant stuff. And then Afalabi dives over the trailing leg. So there's a lot of offences in here that I think we <laughs> could possibly blame on balls. But we're getting the flack here for this. You and the poor referee, poor referee got nailed on. Like. You've obviously just watched this from behind, have you? <laughs> the angle that for some reason shows that it's a great tackle, but. The actual RTE angle is like, no, it's a stomach. Listen, <laughs> I think I'm going to sum it up and say that it swings and roundabouts. Football is like that. We've had terrible results and terrible decisions go against us. There was the Dan Bourne foul on Sean Cavanagh in Daly Mount Park when he was on the yellow. It was a red straight away. There was green or red card in Daly mm. Mount Park when it was never a red. The league um, race in the face. In the face, league race. Uh, Trevor to- Clark's. Yeah, red as well. Both could get three or four more of these, and as far as I'm concerned, we're still not even. But that's what you have to accept. It's hard to accept for football fans to realise this is football, this is how it is. It's fleeting. These moments get away from you. You have to celebrate them while they're hot, you could say. But these things happen in football, and I know it's really, really frustrating to be a Bowles fan, I'd imagine, when these things happen. And is it for Rovers fans as well? Because when it does happen to us, we're seeding, but you have to just take it on the chin. That's how it is. And then but fucking celebrate like fuck when you but, get something up on them, you know what I mean? But that's not what they're doing, Gary. There's a lot of whinging which we'll come to in a while. The blocking spree. We'll 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 come to that. It was glorious. Uh, but we have Gaffney. Gaffney. Oh minutes. man. So here so Jaden my Jaden loves skill. Loves individual skill. Loves little things like that. You know, it's a real um he loves nutmegs. He loves like that type of close control. Did, loves those kind of flair players. Did someone go for an evening herald gear? The look, <laughs> the look on his face. Chicken fillet roll down in fucking Raccoon is where Horton is gone. Horton's down in the Dole <laughs> office in the, in the square because that's how bad it was. He skidded 
into that old folks home that's getting built behind the stadium <laughs> it was unbelievable and I could see because Jaden was over to the left with his pals and the look of excitement in his face when when because I just caught his caught his eye line and it was like you know who when someone has an ugly laugh and they're like oh, oh, oh like a fucking like a like a crazy person he, he he was more excited about him getting left for dead than the actual goal so I love that yeah that's it was it was an absolutely brilliant moment I loved it and then uh, Bork gets it and the second he took this shot and it took a little nick off of whoever it was I was thinking to myself this is going to work in our favour here because it was perfectly weighted whatever way it took a, a deflection it just right in the Gaffney's path mm-hmm. first thing I did was look at the lineup and I thought lovely right so we're jumping around it's nuts in the south stand Moya's on my shoulder I use her as a flag I just thought to myself since you lost yours wave yeah wave your child as a flag that's what I thought she, she's up on my shoulders and then I just kind of got her in like a military press that w, in WWE and I was just like shaking I was like yeah <laughs> but she was like yeah and shaking around waving around I was like this is unbelievable there's mayhem <laughs> kicking off there's smoke everywhere <sighs> yeah so the fourth Dublin Derby goal for the Tomb Tornado nodding the past Talbot and just a brilliant moment in the, in the whole stadium like this is one of those we have a few comments from fans here talking about the the atmosphere this is one of those rare ones where it felt like the east west and south were all getting involved not just the celebrations but like the singing and chanting like it was a, it was a really special one this one honestly um i don't like i said i, I didn't think we could beat the the spectacle that was Finn Arps when we unveiled Jack again and we, we clinched the league or dropped it, um, this was just next level. And now it's all about building again and going on to the next level, Prof with the fourth stand coming in and we'll um, we'll talk about that another time. But yes, sir, I can boogie on the PA at full time. Prof, the piss is being boiled. <laughs> it certainly is. It's being boiled. Uh, we, were, we were singing that. Fine voice, post-match, Trevor was man the match uh, must have been got some media training there because he didn't swear well I think um, he was brilliant for 60 minutes 60 minutes of madness but I think Pico was up there for me as well I'm just like when the RTE Grace man the match. yeah yeah, yeah man yeah. the match I think Pico Grace uh, Gary O'Neill it could have been I mean, like Trevor was brilliant but I think for overall mm-hmm. over the 90 minutes but there's a great point by staff here if you want to uh, yeah uh, Kieran Stafford pride of rings and stalwart and Trevor Clark met with meh meh attitude Resigning, he has been outstanding since coming back. Yes, he hasn't got the past. He hasn't got the best end product, but in two particular situations tonight, he got seventy yards up the pitch. Something nothing our fullbacks can do, and it's such a different contrast between Trevor Clark and Farouja, two totally different players who give us something different. And we thought to ourselves, how are we going to replace nearly ten goals and ten assists, nine and nine by Andy Lyons? Trevor Clark comes in and he has been brilliant. He's not everybody's cup of tea. But he has been absolutely brilliant for us and he has that yeah. raw pace that is very, very welcome in this I, league. I think he's been superb. Uh, he's do. been excellent yeah. since he came back. He could be on five or six goals this season alone because the positions he gets himself he's into. Missed like, a number of chances. He's missed a few, uh, yeah. Staff also called Jack Brown an art form. It is. sums it up pretty well. He's, um, he's just beautiful, a beautiful human. Do you think balls look kind of weary of us this time? They looked a bit like depressed. They didn't have the fighting... Their press wasn't up to much. Not at all. They were 100% because they know we're in form and they know we can absolutely murder them on the break and it's a different animal. Also, keep Buckley 
surely he doesn't get a game again for balls. He's out. He's done. No pace. Finished Absolutely like embarrassed. Surely it's time for him to, to hang up the boots now because he was so, so poor. It just can't get around. He couldn't deal with it. And Jack Bourne. Jack Bourne made a show of him. A show of him. Holy show of him. So. There's some quotes from uh, the gaffer on Jack, which I liked as well. Yep. Uh, prof, major, major things going on in Tala 7, 8, 6, 4, 7, at the game. A league record. So we continue yeah. to do it, Prof. We continue to build on this success. I think the, I think the overall record is still Spurs at home. Uh, I think that was 8,000 plus. But uh, yeah, on my and Bruce Spring seeing Garrett, this was the biggest show in town. And you, you would have had 10,000 for that. Like, I'm no doubt in my mind that could have been a 10,000 game. Absolutely. If the North Stand is open, you're selling it out, you know. Like I said, there's a, mm. we always thought that would be a gradual battle to get the other stands sold out and we're, we're doing it. It's it's gradual. There has mm. to be a plan. There has to be a term structure. And it's happening. It's And ultimately, success is what happens there. I mean, fans are fickle, so I don't think it's going to happen if you're second and third bottom, but this is what you build on. You build mm. on that and you go forward, Prof. Like I said, the fans were bouncing in, in all three stands, which was uh, brilliant to see. There was even a flare in the car on the West End at one stage. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> see that, no. Never seen that before. What's up with the criticism of Rovers with the... I mean, I don't take it seriously, but what's with the... We didn't hear you until the 80th minute. It's, a, it's or an the, easy thing to say, to give out, man. It's it, Think about it. They think that'll cut deep. They think saying to us, we only hear, hear you when you're winning. They said the same thing about the mono stand, man, and we had just, that place hopping for just, 90 minutes. Factually speaking, both atmospheres, home and away, were deadly. Absolutely, yeah. And we didn't begin at a certain minute. It was from the first minute. So I find that kind of bizarre. Yeah, no, I wouldn't even... like. There's there's a lot of Bose fans who are extremely unhinged on Twitter. Like, bitter, man. Beyond belief. It's very rare I'd take to... Like, I mean, if, if I call a spade a spade, we've been beaten by a better team, no mm. problem. We were a better team. We, were, we And we would have beat them regardless of the penalty, I think, anyway, as well. So Sometimes on Twitter, I just, I don't even think about it. Because I'm like, this could just be a 12-year-old. Because this comment, <laughs> this banter is <laughs> so awful. I, I presume this can't be an adult. The, so I'm um, just like, I'll move on here. Uh, ultimately, it's a... Uh, they, they, I don't think they would have beat us no matter how many penalties so a quick couple of stats we have now only conceded one goal in the last six meetings with Bowes and that was Liam Burt who we signed off them so one goal conceded in six and Tommy Tarmy wanted, wanted to know what is Branzer's record against Deccan Devine and I thought oh I have a feeling this is good and it is good it's eight wins one draw Zero defeats. Zero defeats, so prof. We went on a great run against his dairy team in 2019-2020. I remember this. So if you throw that in and the two wins this season, yeah, we, uh, it's all going Brazzers' way against the Voyan, yeah? I think the Voyan's been found out, to be honest. After the game, all the staff were in uh, great spirits. Like I mentioned in the last week's show, all the buzz was around John's program article, but this time it had been published... So again, that's what they're talking about. But just, I've seen them in high spirits before, but it was something about this one. They were all just, they were loving life. A turning point, you could say? I don't know if it's a turning point. Just some momentum we're on now. I forgot to mention, um, the word igloo kept being said. 
over and over because that's what John carries the way he carries the igloo and that has all like the the energy drinks yeah, and everything yeah 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 so <laughs> every time uh, every time Mal Slattery is slagging him he goes with his fucking igloo <laughs> <laughs> it just makes me laugh every time and Glenn uh, Glenn Cronin so we just beat him balls and I see him outside the tunnel and I'm just thinking right we beat him balls a big win He's big happy heading him. He's he's running towards me. I'm like, oh, I wonder what he's gonna oh, say he's here. Oh, he's gonna spare me here. Something about the game or what's he's gonna say here? And he goes, Prof, that Graham Burr quiz fucking killed me. Died laughing. <laughs> That's all he's he in wa- the middle of the of the celebrations. That's all he wants to talk about is the quiz. He loves the quizzes, Gar. <laughs> he's so competitive. He, he was like, I was in tears. Because so apparently Burke said John Legend is dead. Did not. Yeah. And uh, I think another one, another one that he got flagged for is the Red Sea and Ocean. John Legend. Um, Fellow Morning Cawley throwing a wobbly about the Afalabi moment. Hook it to our veins. And I think Cawley's comments are possibly in bad taste because he spoke about referees getting managers sacked. And there's a knock on effect to that as well. Um, like, I mean, your players not performing can get you sacked as well. So. If he, is he going to get on that road and slate the players for not performing on the night as well? That can get your manager sacked. So this, I think that's it's a it's a tricky road to get down. Um, Mero, our good pal Mero, loudest night in talent in years. Nearly brought me to me fee. Sensational night. So yeah, Mero with a bit of crack in the south stand. What a time to be a hoop guy. The rings enders afterwards brought an actual Mister Sheen to the celebrations. So they were singing the Mr. Sheen song. Robbie Gaffney was on camera singing Mr. Sheen. Because uh, there's fuck all the clean. Big happy heading them on uh, Everywhere RTA. you looked, people were just doing their own little thing. Like jiving and dancing and, <laughs> and boogieing. And you're looking around and it's like, it's like a disco. It's outstanding. Everyone's just boogieing and dancing and having the crack. <clears throat> Aidan Mara said, that harmony of SRFC and Talbot shit the bed was magic. Don't tell the Bowes Choir. Mm. Yeah, it's a graveyard over How did the Bowes Choir go, by the way? Graveyard and Block L, yeah. Did they have their own little singing section? <laughs> singing section up and away game. Imagine trying, like, <laughs> it's not that big, man. It's not that big of a section, and you want to organise a singing section and an away game. It's embarrassing. Like, it's embarrassing. Oh, ridiculous. Uh, Ray Whelan, Chef Ray. There was a standby list at kickoff time tonight, queuing like uh, last Friday night flight to London. Brilliant stuff, Prof. That's what we spoke about. So get that fucking north stand open and we'll fill it. We'll work on filling it. Which I'm, I'm, I have to say, I really, really want to stand in the north stand. Can we just swap them? Swap them around? Because it's a deadly looking stand, man. Well, I want to stand there once. I'm not going to stay there. But I want them to swap them. Because it's big, it's tall, it's... it's oh, like, okay. And Dunster was saying to me at the women's game that if you're at the very, very top of the south stand and you look across... You're only about three quarters of the way up. Really, yeah. The north stand. He said, he's a good, it's a good observation, you know. Good luck standing there in the cold, though. Ah, oh, that'd be horrific. But think about a sun shining on a on a night like that. It would be actually class because sun is shining right into you there and you're getting beamed over. Yeah. But that's until the rain and the wind comes. But uh, Ray Whelan again, Chef Ray, the ever quotable. Just seen a pic of a fellow I grew up with with his kids on his communion day. The dad was a typical Dublin-based Liverpool fan. No interest in Rovers or LOI. Has three boys now. 
bought the family season ticket and goes to Southstand every week. The kids communion cake was a Rovers one. Usually a kid gets whatever his favorite thing on a cake is growing up: video games, Man United, etc. Uh, here it's tractors and hurls. Ray lives down the shtick so the fruits of them family season tickets are everywhere now overhead people overheard people talking about the atmosphere last night in the Belgard Aldi yesterday 24 hours on there really seems to be a change in the wind for our league with Rovers in the forefront I feared the O'Neill era that Rovers had peaked in Tallaght and we missed our shot or worse or we let it drop to our fingers how wrong was I so um once again the ever quotable Ray Whelan and it's something that like we said we have to continue to push on and do like it's this is nuts it's Rovers fever and that's with a mm. terrible start to the season as well mm. people are really really buying into it they're buying into it I think it's because the word has spread people have gone to these games the word is just spreading that it's a great day out family wise it's cheap and that is a lot to be said for it as well is value for money this I think just, overall uh, I'm paying three quid a game for my kids overall with season tickets for per game it's value for money and that has a lot to in, in these current financial times that's a lot to be said for that this family season ticket thing just seems to be I don't know if it's key to it but it's it's at the centre of a lot of our growth and kids kind of they're wearing the robbers jerseys instead of the the annoyer in the pool jerseys and this is just anecdotal from Ray Whelan but he's just he's tapped into something I think has been happening now in the last couple of years yeah. and we're seeing it grow and grow and like I said, we could have easily put 10,000 in that stadium that night. I think it's just a it's a magical thing to have your kids growing up watching football live. And the fact that there's a, an amazing product there. And let's be honest, very possibly could be the blueprint going forward for the government to actually get their finger out and have a structured, have some sort of structured investment in the League of Ireland. And they could look at Tala and they could say, look at how successful that has been. That's the blueprint. Let's be honest. I mean, that's how you do things, isn't it? If something has been successful before, you want to replicate it, you're going to look mm. at that and say, okay, we can take bits and pieces from this and see how it works. Well, Tada took 13 years to build and we're 14 years on now. And it was obviously done with the council. So there's a lot of different parts involved in that. But I know what you mean. It can be used as a blueprint. Yep. Um, whether Daily Mount happens what years do you say would happen 2041 2041 we can look forward to the new Daily Mount and all the hipsters will be gone Gary, because not bad show. the hipsters like the grimy old Daily Mount so they won't have one thing to do with this new Daily Mount we'll but, probably be um, nullified by AI at that stage <laughs> so it won't be a pod plus the robbers and balls rivalry won't really exist then we'll all be living in harmony in unison yeah <laughs> Drinking together in the pubs. <laughs> Standing together yeah. and egging on each other's penalties. Um, fan that Dave Downey met. This is a great one. Dave pulled out of our bus. Unfortunately, he had to get surgery on his knee. And he's back in the boot and the crutches. But Dave brought... This This is a weird one. So, or, I don't know what way to look at it, actually. So Dave, Dave's friend is born and reared in Glenmalore Square. Where Glenmalore was torn down... This and is the houses were him. built and Dave brought him to his first ever Rovers game in Tala on the Friday night. So I thought that was a fascinating story. I thought it was deadly. So never knew anything about Rovers. Grew up where all the, the history was made and then went to his first game there on last Friday night. That's an 2023. interview. 2023. That's an interview if ever there was one. Very much so, Bring yeah. back Illinois Curious. That would have, exactly what it would have yeah. been, yeah. 
And here is a follow-up, I forgot to say, from the, the, the Ray thing, story there. Great point from old man Kilmartin, Pat Kilmartin. Uh, he says, <laughs> Michael O'Neill was the start. We're looking at people from then, now bringing kids that have never known Rovers to be anything other than a Tata team. Mm. Something I hadn't thought about before. Brilliant show. Because when you look... It's something that I thought about as well. When we were all leaving the ground after the game, I was thinking, right, everybody here is going all over Dublin. Do you know what I mean? We're mm. going to get to a stage where everybody, a lot of the fans are going to be staying in Tala and going to the village and going for a point afterwards because they're Tala born and bred. So we're, it's it's a generational thing, realistically. It's a new generation of Tala born Rovers fans and it's starting to happen. takes a while. We spoke about this before with the Irish national team, with the new influx of immigrants that came in in the late 90s and the mid-90s. Their kids are Irish-born, and now it's having a brilliant effect on the on the actual national team with, you, with all some of the players that they've produced. So now it's happening gradually. We're putting our seeds into talent, and they're growing. <laughs> Exciting times, Gary. And yep. finally, we have Maloney. Uh, another great moment from the game was <clears throat> when we sang the old triangle they hit back in full pomp, singing the whole verses. Pomp. That's we, a great word, isn't we it? We sarcastically cheered, especially the East End. Then we hit them at Ike and Boogie, and there was no coming back from that. Loving the East End, giving them the smoke as well. <laughs> Loving the East End, getting involved, and giving them belters and pelters and all sorts. Great stuff. Um, bit of media, Prof. Twitter media. was alive. Dublin media. Twiggy called a magnificent tackle from Cleary. He knows the crack. Danny North, when you're on a stags with a lot of Rovers fans and there's one Bose lad with us. Uh, and, he, and he put a picture of him. And he put up uh, <laughs> something about R- Rory Gaffney, he's a legend or something. Or he, he was tweeting all night, wasn't uh, he? Full of German beer or something, something along those lines. A video has surfaced showing the Hoops fans engaging in an anti-monarchy chant just one day prior to the coronation of King Charles. Oh gosh. The third, um ah. We're fucking finished with that army. That we care for it. I mean, fair enough. I don't buy into the whole royal family and monarchies, and I think it's a ridiculous concept. And it's actually fascinating because it was on briefly in the house, and I was thinking it's like fucking Harry Potter. Like, I feel like I'm watching Lord of the Rings. It's that gaudy and just exaggerated. It's it's fascinating to think that they take it seriously. What was the one? See, I don't understand all this. I thought there was a coronation <coughs> in November or December. What was that big whole... Oh, I don't know. The whole event. It's weird though, isn't it? Isn't I, I, it? I turned that on and I was like, is this Game of Thrones? It's like car crash stuff. Like You're just looking at it and you're like, this is such a fucked up way of life. They're born into this madness. And they've well, actual <laughs> paedophiles in their, in their ranks and they celebrate them. It's just madness. Well, Bowles fans joined in with us singing... Uh, you can shove your coronation up your arse. But I thought it was partly directed at Bose fans. That's what I thought as well, because considering so, who founded them. They're a little bit confused, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, one man who's not confused... They is... must have heard that AI thing beforehand, <laughs> didn't they? One man who's not confused is Liam Scales, who, when God Save the Queen anthem was being played, started doing stretches and jumping jacks. Yep. Got a man, good man. Osquale as well. Can you do jumping jacks, Osquale? Uh, Gary O'Neill. <coughs> Leon working under Allen makes him ready for these moments. You couldn't write a better script. Penalty saving Derry and clean sheet in the Dublin Derby. I think there's a lot of maturity in his game now. He's not so eager to impress. 
He just lets the game happen. Ooh, Padre Pio with the wisdom, prof. The penalty save is that look in the moment. Obviously, he does his research. On Friday, there was a record league attendance, which meant he could have been eager to impress, but he just let the game come to him. Oh, wow. I like that. He is very quotable. We should look at Gary O'Neill. I mean, Gary O'Neill arrived here in his mid-twenties as still a kind of a youngish player, but he's like one of the leaders in the dressing room now. Absolutely. He, he's seeing his teammates grow around him. And so I like that insight from Gary. Just the backbone itself, man. Yeah. Look like Pico, Gary O'Neill, Gaffney. The backbone is just solid. It's absolutely glorious. But whinging, prof. Give us some well, of the whinging. Well, before the whinging... Uh, <laughs> whinging's not a great word. <laughs> couple of things I've got to say last week. One, uh, that was the second time ever that Alan Manis was subbed in the Robbers game. Oh. I thought it was the first, but I'd forgotten. He was subbed Drada. in Drada. Drada. Yeah, and yeah. Leon came on. Only uh, recently as well, prof. Yeah. So other than that, he'd never been sent off or subbed or come on as a sub in a Robbers game. So that was the second time. Also, I've got to say, how long, or can Stephen Kenny ignore... <coughs> Jack Byrne this time surely he has to call him up honestly man this is Jack Jack eclipses 2019 now at the minute he is fucking on fire he is dangerous it's ridiculous how potent this Jack Byrne is it's nuts it's nuts and I love mm. how <clears throat> everyone buys into this whole like we're playing a different type of football that we did a couple of years ago I'm loving the development and the way we have expanded as a team. Like, having Jack and picking him out, making him the centre of our attacking uh, formation is is different, but he's deeper back in the midfield now. It's brilliant. I'm, I'm loving watching it unfold. It's absolutely top class. So, last couple of media comments from me. Someone threw up Aidan Fitzpatrick's <coughs> article the from March 8th, which was, if you recall, this absolutely bonkers headline. Uh, five games into the season even if Shamrock Rovers eventually get their act together it may already be too late for title hopes we know what that was though we knew what he was trying to do there he just saw blood and he went for it because he is a jippo ultimately so he couldn't hold I, his power there. I have found Aiden to be level headed and pretty unbiased reporting for the most part that's why when I saw that headline I was like that is insane saw the true colours there didn't we um, but that's one another one for the Gar Brennan scrapbook because Gar <laughs> Brennan loves collecting these tweets and screenshots. So Gar, find a publisher. I will give you 25 quid up front right now. Make the scrapbook. Make the scrapbook. Of all this absolute hypocrisy and eggs on Bo's faces. It would be a great read. A little fanzine. Uh, yeah, Bernie. <clears throat> uh, loved this from Cody on commentary. He refers to the robber's bench at halftime as a Brown Thomas bench. <laughs> That's a great show. And he sounded angry as he said it. And I, I tweeted this on the, the Saturday morning. So what does that make, Bows? Pennies? <laughs> Oxfam. Definitely a charity shop. Oxfam. Oxfam bench. I tweeted this on the Saturday morning. Back page of the Herald. Normally is. <clears throat> League of Ireland takes the big photograph in the back. Mm-hmm. So it's Robbers celebrating one of the goals. And then right above that is Fiddy McMahon. But it's actually a Gar article. And it just says in block letters, stop blaming losses on irrelevant things. Oh, man. Right above the photograph. Yeah, what did you say? Even Philly's right. <laughs> yeah. Even Philly's getting it right. 
Uh, but loads of whinging, pop, loads and loads of whinging. An unprecedented amount of whinging. Ah, oh, it's outrageous. It's brilliant. But it's um, great to see. They're hurting. It is. They are hurting. And, uh, like, in, in times like this, and if it was happening to the Rovers, I wouldn't be saying a thing. I'd be buried. Like you, like we used to do, social media gone for the weekend. Weekends ruined, sit in. Turn your phone off. Yeah. Don't get involved. Don't, because you're hurting. You're, you say you say stupid and do irrational things when you're hurt. Don't get involved in spats online on Twitter if your team has just lost to the to their local rivals. Don't get involved. I remember like, nothing you can say will damage the other team's joy. No, nothing at all. So just don't get involved. But they still did, and it was uh, their COO Daniel Lambert not happy on Twitter. Um, I love that the first thing he did, <sighs> like a few minutes after the game, was to tweet that. Did he really think that this was a good idea? It's brilliant. Like, he, did he genuinely think that this is a good thing to do? Take a step back from yourself, let the anger subside, take deep breath, count to ten, and think, is this the best thing to tweet? <laughs> Fucking madman. Yeah, apparently the referees are racist. Um, all sorts of things being said here. Um, you could argue, like, the ref, like, I'm just trying to, I know, we, we wear the, the green and white tinted glasses. They're always on. But the referee, he has to be sure, doesn't he? Absolutely. Like, he has to be, from whatever angle he is, he has to be sure that's a penalty. But no one's really talking about that in their analysis. Just saying, oh, not good enough, horrible officiating. Even though it's been bad all season, everybody's forgotten about the pigo ruffle the hair. Yeah. Nobody's talking about that. It goes back to the 2019 one with uh, Clark and Grace getting sent off. Grace, the ball in the face. Yeah. Could McLaughlin have been sure... Did that ball hit Grace in the hand? No, but he gave it anyway. Exactly, yeah. Like you say, prop swings and roundabouts. Um, and the, was also the towel, we didn't mention this, the towel decision where he's fouled in the box. Look the stonewaller to where I am. It's waved offside. We're, we're a good bit way in the south yeah. end, so it was hard to kind of gauge. Where, what did it look like from where you were? I wasn't sure either. It was hard to it, call, it wasn't it? It close. But there you go. If That, that could have been a different talking point altogether. Um, but yeah Bose fans finally were singing looking down on the robbers uh, they were singing that in Derry was it yeah and I love how quickly it turns around to one tweet was just like right that's the title of the base order let's get <laughs> let's get Europe <laughs> honestly I don't in space of two weeks they don't have the they don't have the, the bollocks or the gumption to, to sustain the title challenge it's just not the way it is it's just that's football you know what I mean they're bottling it and they're just not good enough they're not there like I think the core that we have there and that Bradshaw has been building the mentality the aura Bradshaw built a football club not just a team and it's I know what I noticed as well I was thinking to myself about the way he procures players and signs them and finds the right targets I was looking at Jake Mulraney and I was thinking to myself he would Paul McGrath actually mentioned it in the A-team uh, chat and I thought to myself he's right because he's a lovely lovely player he could possibly fit in but he has to have the whole package. He has to have the mentality, the attitude. It has to be the right player for the right position as well. We're not just signing him because he's good. We're signing him because he's the right player at the right time and what we need. I love the way we operate as a football department. I think it's absolutely mm. brilliant. It's on the money. Don't always get it right, but that's football. I mean, who could have known Dan Devine wasn't going to be the next Maldini? You know what I mean? But that's don't, the way. Don't bring up Cameron King. Yeah, Cameron King. <laughs> yeah, so we'll move on, Prof. The, he went on the blog. Do you know the funny thing about the last man standing chat? Was 
it just blew up. Everyone just putting in screenshots like, yeah, I'm blocked. Somewhere <laughs> else, I'm blocked. I'm blocked. I think Emma Wheatley put up and it's like, I've never even spoke to oh, her. That's what I'm thinking. I don't think she'd be the like the vicious type on Twitter to kind of go at yeah. a randomer that she probably doesn't know. And he's blocking everyone. We were blocked pretty I was hoping he'd there, unblock I us. <laughs> I was thinking, he's going to unblock us here. But no, unfortunately not. He's not blocked my my own account. I know, so, now you're getting it. So I can still read his tweets. Now you're getting it. So Brad's are on Jack. This is the quote. When I played, people always talked about brave players being the ones that hit it and kicked it. For me, the ones who are brave and the ones who took the ball, he says, it's easy to take it when you're on winning 4-0 and there's no one in the ground. The Dublin Derby, 8,000 people. It's a different story. Europe last year, 20,000. It's a different story. Jack takes the ball. The bigger the occasion, the bigger the crowd, the more he wants it. It's an incredible bravery he shows to get the ball in those areas and try and make things happen. What's really pleasing with Jack and Derry, he runs the game from start to finish. On Friday night, he shows a level of fitness that he hasn't had in two years. In terms of the back injury that he had, he didn't need to take him off after 80 odd minutes. He's still the one pressing and looking to get on the ball. With that level of fitness, we know the ability is what it is. So a brilliant, brilliant, insight of, is that a word? Insightful. Insightful. Insightful uh, something I'm actually, quote from Bradzer. Super. Something I've been noticing during games more and more is because of Jack and the form he's in, my eyes are drawn to him even when, like Gary O'Neill's the ball and I'm already thinking, when's okay, he going to okay, give it Okay, him? where's Jack? Where is he? Where is he wanted? And I'm looking at Jack and he's always putting the hand up. He wants it. It's what, it comes back to what we spoke about. They're teeing him up. Mm-hmm. They have this system where they make space for Jack in that final third just in the second half when he picks that up there he's picking pockets he's treading balls through he's looking for that beautiful ball in it's brilliant and Gary O'Neill is central to this Gary O'Neill is the blocker in NFL not a guy that absolutely mills the fella to get out of his way so it's like Jack's running with it and Gary O'Neill's just bursting people making room for him it's a beautiful partnership and Richie Taylor getting stuck in as well but I'm loving how we're utilising Jack he's our he's our lethal weapon by the way Gary said he couldn't tackle for the last 10 minutes of the game but was it was it that chance that you were talking about maybe it was the penalty one but um, he just he put in a tackle and he was just fucked after yeah and he, he was just saying I couldn't tackle yeah. Yeah. What, 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 what am I supposed to do <laughs> couldn't move he, he was superb he's been, he, was, he was everywhere he was brilliant but that was it Dublin Derby done and dusted and we're, we're fucking sucking the easel prop. We're flying at the minute. But other results. Draw the nil. Dirty one. And draw the should have won this game, Prof. They had a couple of really, really good chances. Um, oh, I, I really don't know how they didn't nick it. They did so many chances. Not those scrambles in the box and you, someone just needs to poke it home. Um, they hit the bar. Unfortunate not to get a point or anything out of that game. Dirty came away with an Animal Royalty goal. Shelbourne won. UCD nil. This was uh, the, some more magic from Connor Cairns. The clean sheet king. The clean sheet king. Once he some of the saves, he pulled off at the end and just went under a bit of pressure. Uh, that got us through on the last man standing, Prof. We went for Shells. I oh, went for Shells on that one. Sligo nil and Dundalk won. Sligo looked good. Good chances. Um, a goal from Ward for Dundalk a header late on in the game so a snatch and grab pretty much because Sligo were decent uh, Max Mata struggling he was missed a couple of chances he missed a blatant open goal actually header downward in and went over the bar but um, Cork lost two, 3-2 with the Pats in the middle both of them interim managers which is the battle have you got of, a stat on that? the battle of interim managers which I think was the lowest grossing Marvel movie 
Yeah. <laughs> Um, so some uh, really good goals in that one Jake Mulraney with a cracking left foot strike and um, Chris Forrester with a superb tr- uh, cutting pass to get the winner so um, a header score from outside the <coughs> box by Cork as well Ooh. which I haven't seen in a while so just a rebound and buried from outside the box if you go on YouTube you can see the, the longest distance header in world football and uh, I think it might have been Bran actually Oliver Beerhoff. I'm up to correction that, but it's on YouTube. Check it out. It's a header from the halfway line to an empty net. So that was the roundup for that um, one. Yeah, so we have Shells are up to fifth now, only three points off Derry. They're unbeaten in seven games, their best run in 17 years. Clean sheets win leads, so a bro. bit of form there, all thanks to O'Connor. Uh, Shells are the only team to take points off Rovers in the last eight games. <sighs> so the stats. in the last eight games, we have six clean sheets. Only Sligo and Shell scored against us. Mm, prof with the stats. Uh, rumours that James McLean will return to play with Derry and that Colin Whelan has done his ACL again. It's natural order that James McLean is going to end up back at Derry. So it's just a matter of time. Uh, I think his contract is up at the end of this month or next month. So you're probably mm. going to see him in a Derry City jersey for the end of the season. Possibly. If he doesn't get an offer from abroad. He likely will. Yeah, he will likely will. It makes sense for him to come home. Um, it makes sense for him for... For both parties, I suppose. How much of an impact he'll have there at his age? I'm sure he'd be a decent sign of it. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Be interesting to see if he could do it. I'd say mm. there's possibly deals from abroad and sunnier climbs or maybe somewhere along that line. So I wouldn't want James McCain playing for my team, to be honest. He makes me pull my hair out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very frustrating, yeah. Any uh, word on Colin Wheel? No, nothing at all, but it's not good. It's yeah. not good. And uh, once again, the pitch... The dirty pitch strikes again, unfortunately, for these players. Mm. It's not good. Uh, Johnny Walters, John Walters resigned from his position at Waterford simultaneously as well at Fleetwood. It's a yeah, weird one, isn't yeah. it? How do you focus on two clubs at the one time? I thought of that. That's, That's That sounds nuts to me, man. It really does. Um, Fielder from Sunny Perth, or Perth SC Supporters Club. Uh, Vinnie Perth on Extra Time Podcast. I've only applied for one job since I left on Dock and I pulled myself out of running halfway through. Because I'm having to listen to nonsense like Perth only won the league because he had Kenny's team. If he's pulling himself out of running for jobs because of that, he'll never work again. Delusional man. <laughs> he's very sensitive, isn't he? I I take everything he says with a pinch of salt. Should he care what people say? Like, I mean, go for do what you got to do. Don't care what people talk about. People are always going to talk. It's the nature of football. Uh, congratulations to Hoops duo, Jack Bourne and Graham Bourke, who have nominated for the SSE Electricity SWI player. Of the month for April has to be Jack. Jack's got to take that one home, bro. And our Champions League seed was officially confirmed. The welcome boost came after the champions of Poland, Macedonia, and Luxembourg were confirmed on Sunday. So our coefficient head case well, is working hard, prof. He's working hard, but he he uh, he had an oversight, Gary. He forgot about old Luxembourg. Oh, not good, man. You can't forget about Luxembourg. You know, I'm getting the dead eyes right now. Oh yeah. Um, seven hour potential opponents are already known and they include two first time champions so Cherry Poppers Prof Larn and Poland's Rakow Chikchawa Chikchawa That's not what that says but carry on um, Did they win the league? Rakow Chistawa I believe so No way That's I've never even heard of them BK um, Hacken of Sweden No thank you Lafayette Valmeras That sounds Brazilian Hamron Spartans of Malta, yes, please. And Luxembourg Swift, Hesperange and FC Struga of Macedonia. And you're the five, Prof. This is 
favourable enough. Bar the odd big guys. Yeah, certainly want to avoid hacking. Give me Larn. Simple. Larn, Latvia. Or Malta. Larn in Windsor Park. Malta is winnable. Yeah. You just, it's all about the winnable tie. Get the force one done and done. I don't care if it's in your back garden, prof. Get it done and dusted. Forfeit the the trip. I don't care where it is. Get through the force round. It's the big one. It's the money maker. Give us Larn. Put it in Windsor. Let's sell it out. That's how it's going to work. We, we never get Northern Irish or Imagine. Welsh teams. Never happens. Imagine. I'm gonna, this is going to be the quote. Every, gonna, every, it's going to be a start of the pod now. Okay, in, put in this on the start weeks. of the pod. Fine. Every other League of Ireland club has had a jolly up to Wales or Scotland or Northern Ireland. I'm feeling it in me bones, We Bob. never get it. I feel it in me bones. It's going to happen. So the draw will take place on June 20th. First leg three weeks later. Oh... Right, Prof Emma Wheatley. She has a request. Regular contributor. If I can make one request before this year's Euro Avengers, stop fucking checking the flights of every possible country on a weekly basis. Flight prices went up ahead, way ahead of the group stages because of it. I I really do feel compelled to use at least two different browsers and take Xanax. This is 100% true because they monitor these algorithms and they just look at it and then everything goes sky high. Few head cases have hotels booked and everything. Hmm. Just stop, all right. Well, whatever about booking hotels. Hotel is the last thing we book. Well, you can at least you can cancel those. It's the last thing we look for. It's flights. Bump, bump, bump. Get your flights right. Where are we gonna stay? We'll stay somewhere. It doesn't matter. We'll eventually lay our head down. Well, we've been putting it up with this for years, haven't we? Where we have the five possible opponents, and the draw is made and within seconds like the flights are 100 150 euro more than they should be but um, yeah definitely don't be on uh, Ryanair and Aer Lingus refreshing the bleeding page madness man knocking the price up <laughs> the, the ladies 5-0 win over Corcatello and um, 5 Desi Baker June so we Thompson O'Leary Hennessy Larkin Laura Kelly and a 9 minute blitz at the end Prof some good players here I like mm-hmm. uh, Jess Hennessy big towering centre half no fucking about with her probably one of the tallest players in the league I'd say uh, Leah O'Leary man of, or person of the match apologies she was absolutely outstanding in the middle of the park a little diminutive uh, ball playing Xavi-esque midfielder only 16 I believe She her goal was the pick of the bunch I think she's 16 yeah, she was brilliant. She yeah. was she person, lady of the match, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Joe's, if you're listening, I missed you. I was stuck with blowings like Gary here. <laughs> Absolute blowing. Uh, Jamie Thompson, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant footballer. Um, Dunster made a great show. She's she actually the way she moves, the way she plays, it's very very mm. like Desi Baker. He said that on the I show. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. It's fucking yeah. scary. It's, it's a great show. Yeah. So, yeah, nine-minute blitz of goals at the end. Yeah, we had uh, Thompson free kick for the first one. And it was her corner for the third. It was a bit of a floater. Uh, it was in the air about 10 years. Hell was unclaimed, I don't yeah. know. Hennessy won the Player of the Match award. And, yeah, Bira, and she got on the score. She, Bira, uh, pinball for the fourth goal. <laughs> uh, and great ball by Anya Gorman for number five. The header by Kelly. So, three new goal scorers, I think. First yep. time goal scorers this season. Like I said, O'Leary, I thought, was the best goal. Uh, with her solo run down the left. So, similar to Trevor Clark. Uh, player of the match performances from left back. Yep. Um, I thought 
Savannah McCarty was tough as nails as well. She was just getting stuck in left, right and centre. Mm. Just kicking people. It was, it was great. Yeah, like I said, the keeper a bit suspect. Uh, her kickouts all day were shocking. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, you knew the ball was coming back to us. Mm. About 30 yards from goal. Uh, you probably, you need someone solid like Amanda Budden who saved the penalty last week. She was excellent. Yeah. He's on a solid if you're going to win uh, this division anyway. Uh, lovely weather, Gar, which actually remained lovely this time because the pattern had been great weather for the men on Friday, then pissing rain on the Saturday <laughs> for the women's matches. And the weather forecast for both days was accurate this time because I, I did mention this last week, on the tra- on the bus down to d- up to Derry, we opened Twitter and it said, Derry, 60% chance of rain. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, what? Hmm. It says 0% chance of rain. So, whoever's doing the forecast, I don't know what they were using. <laughs> uh, possibly the smallest crowd this season so far. I mean, even including that Wednesday game against Wexford. But, um, good it, season, it good season. People getting involved though, it's good. Nice, nice little atmosphere. But, maybe because of who it was, Cork were struggling down the bottom of the table, people saw it as Cork a... Cork were probably the better team for the first half hour, 40 minutes. I expect to win, but yeah, it was actually a close affair yeah. in the first half. Definitely. So, at the top of the table now, it's pretty tight after eight games played. P-Mount and Galway on 19 points. Robbers, 18. Shells, 16. Although Galway's have a, a game played more. Um, we have a debutante. Chloe McCarthy came off the bench. <laughs> For her senior debut. Yes. Uh, Jess Kerrigan, nominated for League Player of the Month for April as well. So, congratulations. And and finally, last note on the women, Gar. Uh, Hannah Dunn, our TFD's women's correspondent. Uh, she'll be back in a couple of weeks, hopefully, with one of those goal scorers and another special guest. But uh, her team, she plays for, uh, they won the cup at the weekend. And on. and on the opposing team was Jason Carey's daughter. <laughs> no way. The man that she interviewed for her first interview at the start of the podcast. <laughs> no way. Talk about putting yourself on the map. So he was on the, or uh, her, his daughter was on the league slip team. Uh, 2-1 win. The ironing is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so Prof, we have an exclusive Junior Hoops event. So Big Billy, Silly Sinead and Paul Fuxes. Poopy Paul, I don't know. I can't think about. I can't think about and say Junior Hoop Supremos. Um, Saturday, May twentieth, four p.m. Stadium tour followed by meet and greet with the ladies team. Lots of photos and autograph opportunities. Free entry to the game at half five for all Junior Hoops, and collect the rest of the stickers for the girls team and treats on the day. Uh, Billy Gleason walking around like Willy Wonka on Saturday, dishing out the sweets. So. Another exclusive Junior Hoops event, so make sure you head on down. Uh, the Roadstone Project, Prof. Five wins out of five for the Academy. The Men's 19s, 5-0 winners in Waterford. 17s, 1-0 in Athlone, Titan. And the 15s beat Jot a 7-1 in Roadstone with a four-goal haul for Charles Atkinrin Toyo. Seven wins from seven for them. And the women's team both at home games. 19s beat Bowles 2-0. And the 17s beat Finn Harp 6-3 thanks to a Katie O'Reilly hat-trick. So... Prof, they are flying at the Roadstone. Sinclair Armstrong, one young player of the year, QPR prof. He's doing big things. He's going well. He's doing big things. But now, prof, it is up. We have Tuesday trivia. All right, so prof, you're expecting big scores 
them this this week, are you? It's high scores are attainable. I even tipped Maloney <laughs> to get ten, and did he come home with the goods? You got caught in a booby trap, I think. What happened there? A prof trap. There's a, there was a booby trap in there, and you got a nine, and I'd say he's fuming. Now you've after you're gonna make me look awful now when I get four. <laughs> the timer is ready, Gar. Timer is ready. I'm loading it up. Play quiz. Go. Last week Rory Gapney scored his fourth goal in a Rovers versus Bowes game. Who's the only current squad member with more? Trevor Clark, Ronan Finn, Graham Burke, Aaron Green, Graham Burke. Whoa! Ronan Finn! Wait, goals! Oh my god! Who was Stephen Bradley's first Champions League opponents as manager? Ilves, Tampere, Slovan Bratislava, Habanians, Rops Rovanimi, Rops Rovanimi. was a mistake. What? Champions League, it said. Champions League? Oh, was, you're a bastard. That was the baby trap. Oh, my, what an awful start. Which player was sent off against Ilves in our 2020 Europa League campaign? Lopez, Joey O'Brien, Liam Scales, Lee Grace. Oh, my God. Joey O'Brien. Joey O'Brien, Liam Scales. Joey O'Brien. No. He scored oh the winning God, penalty. Liam Scales. Who are the first team to play Rovers in any cup competition in Tala? Any comp cup. Okay, kill their county, Sligo, draw the UCD. Any cup competition. Oh, kill their county, it's in there. Cause, yeah, I knew it, because of kill there this week. Yeah. Yeah. Which man made the most appearances out of any outfield players, both 2010 and 2011 league winning campaigns for Rovers? Royce, Murray, Dennehy, oh, Pat Sullivan, I'm going to say Dennehy. Yep. Yep. Of these four Fs, which ground have Rovers never played a competitive game at? Fatty's Field, Flankair Park, Flower Lodge, Ferry Car Park, Fatty's Field. Fighty's Fields, Galway, Flankers, Longford, Flower Lodge, Cork, Ferry Carrick, Wexford. Ferry Carrick. Ferry Carrick Park. No, Fighty's Field. Oh, should have known. Wexford got promoted once, sorry. In Gary Twig's last game for Rovers at the showgrounds in 2012, he was interrupted by which fans in which minute? 20, 24, 17, 9, 17 for 17 league titles. Yep. 20. Which is the name of the American ex-Rovers Gover Payne, Randall, Rupert, Reginald, Russell. Russell. What is what is Budden's first name? Our senior women's goalkeeper Alana, Amanda, Amy, Aoife, Amanda Budden. Correct. Boston the box earlier on last week. Who scored Rovers last goal of the twenty twenty two season? Fruja, Cleary, Power, and Maku. Oh. Tricky one. Six seconds. Mm. Oh, Amaku. Oh, Power. Oh man, that was awful. <laughs> that was awful. Fifty. Actually, it's more better than I thought. Fifty. There's a lot I should have got there. Oh, but the, your, the start was shocker. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in for a bit of flack. You, you didn't read the question properly, no. number two. Or I'm, one, I think. I'm in for a bit of flack there now, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that was the quiz. and um, Yeah, so, Puff, we have a interview next. It is Simon Madden, 2016 Player of the Year Award uh, winner. So, um, here he is. Okay, so we have our Player of the Year series. We are back. We have Simon Madden. Old hero, you could say, and it's time at Rovers. So, Simon, you're very welcome to Tales and East now. Thanks, lads. Delighted to be on. Right, so we're going to start. The structure is it's very, um, it's going to start in your early days and then it's going to go through the motions and then we'll have a few little inserts from ex teammates. And, well, I don't know if they'll be friends after this, but uh, <laughs> right, so we get started. So, it's Helen Native, uh, very beginning. You had a few DDSL clubs and we actually played in the same year, believe it or not. And uh, Kilimanjaro Shells, Cherry Artists, so some very, very good players in those teams. So, tell us the the team that you played in, but the year you went away, the starting eleven. It was it was a smashing team, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a really good team. I think the majority of it came from uh, Shells. John Bulger was the manager. You would have taken him. The majority was from uh, Kilimanjaro man as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, John's down Kilimanjaro. So we would have been playing with Cherry Orchard, 
Um, then we went to Shells for about three or four years. Uh, John Devine would have been there and De- Deco Heavey would have been the kind of link up with the United Academy at that time. Yeah. So we'd go squad. We had Owen Doyle, uh, Anthony Stokes, uh, Walker, Walker Bailey. Um, just trying to think of a couple of others. But Eddie Nolan? The, Eddie Nolan would have been in the academy as well, yeah. So we would have played probably with Johnny Evans. I played with Johnny Evans in the Foyle Cup. Um, Dan Massey, Massey was there. Uh, who else from that other team? Stephen Gleeson would have been in the midfielder. Stephen went over the league. I think he might yeah, have retired there recently. I'm nearly sure he went down the leagues in England. Yeah, Stephen went over to England and he went down. He, he made a great career over. Like he, we would have all gone away at under 15, 16. Stephen would have been left over, like and Owen Doyle as well. But they kept kept that. To be fair to them, and they made a great career. Um, Carl Coleman, Carl Coleman would have played for Rovers as well, goalkeeper. Miles Willie John Coyley, there's another one for you. Willie John Coyley, yeah, he was there. He came up from the country. Jeez, it's some team, Dan Massey. Uh, I can't remember who Mark else. Mark Bourne, I think, ended up there as well, didn't he? Eventually? Mark Bourne done a bit as well, yeah. It was a but very, just, very good team. Yeah, we won a couple of... Uh, Stephen Marr, I think, was there as well. Stephen Marr played for uh, Dundalk. So out, um, of that team, out of that squad, um, how many went away? So Stokes, he obviously was the forward from the go away. He went out when he was 15, I think. He had a big, big deal on, on the table from United. They really wanted him bring the man down over and stuff like that. And I think he, he we went over to Arsenal with the DSL squad. And Liam Brady was obviously the director of football there. And he, he they just got on, I think, and got a massive deal and went over really so, uh, well. Yeah, so the only way you could get kind of a kid over at 15s is to get the man out of the house or bring them over as well. So I think they got a job over there kind of looking after kids coming over on trial and stuff like that. So it was a good so one. What age were you when you started getting trials and getting noticed across the water? Can give us give us the time frame. So how many teams did you go on trial with abroad and what was the deciding factor in in uh, Leeds? Leeds, uh, I would have probably started around 14. So I would have been 14 and I, I was a centre midfielder and then I went to Shells and Bocker was there and I kind of went back into centre half and then Centre half was doing okay, but we were a bashing team, so I wasn't really getting tested. Um, but then the DDSL Kennedy Cup squad came up, and obviously, the majority of our team went on. And I probably was going on trial, but wasn't making it. Then I think they were struggling for a right fall, put me in right fall, never really played there. Went down the Kennedy Cup, played every game. I think I went on trial for probably, probably about 12 or 15 teams. It was just every, across the war. Every school, across the war, every school break, so Easter holidays. Um, Probably Christmas time, midterm break. Sometimes when the school year was on as well, I just got away for a week. Like you know what I mean? So it was a bit mad, but it would have been Celtic. Uh, Celtic was a big one. It was probably close to going to Celtic. Um, um, Celtic, Man City. Man Who was United. the manager at the time at Celtic? Celtic. Couldn't tell you. I can't remember. Yeah, Martin O'Neill. It would have been Martin O'Neill. Sorry, Martin O'Neill. Yeah, Martin O'Neill. But. <laughs> Bocker actually went over. Just funny. Bocker went over on trial one day, one of the times, and uh, and every time players will tell you this when you go on trial, oh, get gear back and stuff like that. Because some teams they don't give you the gear, so they obviously need the gear to train in, but you can never take it. But I think Bocker was taking a pair of shorts, a t-shirt, one of the coaches walked in, <laughs> like he just looked at him. I thought him just stared at each other. I just walked out. I was like, "Fuck, this is mad." Started at an early age, anyway. 
he was mad as a bush, but like that's why he, why he took you out the top and here he could like you know what I mean because I'm on city top wherever it was like so uh yeah it would have been a lot of teams like 10 12 teams Everton Aston Villa like loads of amount of teams but Leeds just seemed to, to, to work because me and Bocker went over and there was a lot of Irish over there Ian Morris Andy Kyo uh, a lot of Irish at the time Robbie Keane would have been there Steve McPhail was there and was Gary uh, Kelly John Douglas they would have been there as well Gary Kelly would have been there, yeah. He spent his whole career there. So he he look after you when you go over. He always talked to you and he just it was at ease when he went over. Sometimes you go to clubs and it's it's tough, like there's no wires there and the lads would call you Paddy and all stuff like that. You know what I mean? Just because just because we we're Irish, kind of like you know what I mean, they wouldn't oh, they're probably coming over and take my spot or whatever. So there's some clubs that just didn't really take to the Irish. Really? Yeah, you, you get that, you get a few. Club, you're like, geez, this is not great. Like, um, but yeah, Leeds was great. Leeds was really good, and just where it was as well. Leeds facility was outrageous. Like, <laughs> they would have been in League One, League in the Championship for years, and they'd have swim pools, jacuzzis, 10, 12 pitches. It was it was unbelievable the facilities. They were a Premier League club at the time, like, you know I mean, in in League One. So, it's uh. Hopefully they stay up now because that's where they need to stay. Like huge club, huge. So Parker, Parker, your roommates with Parker. Yeah. He wants to know why you're hitting the wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> you tell some of them stories, you get people arrested. He's just <laughs> Ian Morris is another one. I don't know why he was in the wardrobe as well. <laughs> what the two of were? Look, there's an earthquake going on in the wardrobe. I swear to God, with the last hour, it, was, it was madness. It was. Like, but did, did he ever tell you that story? What actually no. happened? No. <laughs> I don't know if you could put this on it, but uh, he, he was meeting a girl. He was, I don't know, he went down. We were in the in the apartment. And me, be me, Ian Morris and Bocker a lot of the time because Ian would have been just released from Leeds for playing with Scunthorpe, but it was only a half hour away. So you drive up and stuff and, Spend the whole week with us, nearly like you know what I mean. And then, um, so Bocker was meeting this girl, and we were saying, Oh, what are we doing? All so Bocker went down, collected her, brought her back up, and obviously, he's bringing her into the bedroom, whatever. So, we, we got a, a pair of Bocker's jocks, white ones, put a lot of brown sauce along the side of it, so it looked like this. <laughs> and we hid the wardrobe. So, when he walked in with her, he just looked straight down. Bocker goes, Oh, I don't know who owns them. <laughs> I, I swear to God, the whole wardrobe, proper solid thing, was just shaking side to side. And the ball was holding our nose, it was just rock. I was a cracker. But we were just waiting to hear what he said. <laughs> you could tell he was more like the way he said it. Like his voice was. What about uh, Fat Tony? What about Fat Tony? Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> he gave. Okay, this is the like, Huh? Was this was she a barber? She was a barber, yeah. I never got my hair cut. Bucker always did, but yeah, I think a few other few other lads were at horror like but, oh, they were animals here. Animals. Never got <laughs> hair cut. Already. So if <laughs> you're you're settled in the leads. Um living the dream, you could say. I mean, you've a good friend, Richard and Bucker, you've another one there playing for Scunthorpe. So you're you're doing what every kid dreams about is playing ball. So your mentality, what was it like? Did you feel like you made it? Because I feel like, I think, what I always think is that the, the hard, the easy part is getting the contract in England. 
Yeah. That's the easy part. And you can understand how hard that actually is. Breaking into the fourth team is next. So, did you feel, did you rest on your laurels when you over there? Or did you, could you have given more? Yeah, you can always give more. I think when you look back on it, the stuff you know now, you could bring it back then, you you, you definitely make it. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, you're over there at 16, you leave your family at 16, and it's just, you go over there. I remember going to the airport, and it's just like, oh, this is this, year later, and then totally just break down, crying and all. You're like, never going to see this again, because it's so close to the family. Like, So that was a really tough going over there, but this was me and Bocker. Some people are on their own. So we kind of had each other, um, but... It's just so tough. It's so tough. Like, we were training probably twice a week playing a match. You go over there, you need to train twice a day, three times a week in school. You're playing matches the weekend. It's just so tough. And we didn't have Zoom or anything like that. You're just ringing people on phones and stuff. So it's yeah. hard talking to family. And mentally, it's, it was a challenge. I probably wasn't there mentally uh, to make it. Um, but, yeah, it's really tough. You go over there. They do look after you and stuff like that, but still, it's, it's just so physically challenging and mentally challenging. Were you playing 18s football or was it 20s or reserves? What way we went you? over, I would have been in 16. So you go into this, I think it was the 17s league and then the 19s league and then as a reserve. But like I would have been probably first year, done really well. Would have been in with the Ireland 17s squad. We went to Japan and all for three weeks and with Sean, Mc, uh, Sean McCaffrey, the manager was. Um, but I remember getting an injury. We're going to do the qualifiers. We're playing England, I think, in the qualifiers. We would have flown out that Saturday and we were playing Newcastle, I think, in the game on the Saturday. And it was the second half. And I just went over on my ankle and done the ligaments. And I just remember, oh, jeez, it was so bad, the pain of it. But just knowing, jeez, I was supposed to go to away with Ireland. That day would have been home as well for a few days. And that just was hard to take, like really hard to take. And that that was actually in, my only injury I actually had in my career. It was lucky enough, but it was that was, it, it's tough. Like it was tough. Then I would have broken into the reserves then the year later. But we, there was no structure because a lot of players would have gone out of leads. The money would have drying up. So there was only a force team. And then I think the goalkeeper coach took the reserves, but there was no actually reserve team training. It was just mix and match of a few seventeens, nineteens, and force team players. So yeah, you're playing reserves, but you. It wasn't a reserve team, if you know what I mean. Would you say a club on the in decline, like? Yeah, yeah, it was. But you, 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 you run a club now. You run St Francis. Would you call it Mickey Mouse? Let's say to give a Dublin term. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit with the reserve because it was just everything was focused on the force team. Like money wise, they couldn't get, they couldn't afford to get a reserve team coach in. Like you know what I mean, a, a team that size couldn't get a proper coach in to take them. Yeah, the force team goalkeeper coach taking it, who <clears> wasn't a coach. I mean, he wasn't a, a proper coach. He was just doing a favour for the manager. Yeah. So it was, wasn't was great at the time. But you can look at it the other way. They have no money. He should be breaking into the force. Team. Like, if you're not good enough, the manager doesn't fancy it. He's going with experienced players as well to kind of steady the ship. It's hard to break yeah. into it. But that's that's not, not just excuses. But obviously, if, if I put more effort in, probably got a bit of luck, you, you might have making the force team. If you look yeah. at Leeds, so, um, in 2000, 2001, they got to the Champions League semi-finals. Then 2004, uh, relegated. That's that's the year that you were released. It was such a uh, a fall from grace, wasn't it? Yeah, it was massive. And you could sense it as well when we're going over because when we're going over in trial, 
had all the big managers and all the big players and all see them train. When we went back over then, each few months, the players would be getting sold, the manager would be changing. And Peter Reed at one stage was was there when we went on trial. And the next time we actually went over to Sion for the photos and all, it was um it was, it was the old player was the manager. I can't think of his name now. Eddie Gray, sorry, Eddie Gray. Eddie Gray was the manager. Like so you could see it was just going down and down. They just got relegated. We were at the, actually at the game when they got relegated the Premier League. Uh, I think it was Charlton was the last home game. So we were going over when they were a championship club. So yeah, it just went downhill and downhill. But you, you can probably look at that as geez, you're going to a club here, it's going to need players, gonna go after young players. So Yeah, there is two sides of the coin, really, isn't there? I mean, yeah. you could you could ah, probably definitely. thought, okay, I could get in here. Yeah. You remember yeah. your first team debut versus Bury? <laughs> yeah. Cup uh, game midweek. Yeah, midweek was in the cup. Johnson paid our trophy or wherever it was. But again, I was just training. We had a group of players there that renting the fourth team. Too old for the 19th. Probably 12, 15 players. The academy manager comes in. He goes, <coughs> uh, the right backs injured for the fourth team. A couple of right backs are injured for the fourth team. I think you might be playing. And you're sitting there going, Jesus, is out of blue. Like, and you start thinking, yeah. am I fit enough? Am I good enough now? So I trained with them on the Monday and played with them on the uh, on the Tuesday and actually played, played really well. I had a brilliant game. One nil down, went down to down to ten men after seventy minutes as well. And then I actually remember a minute ago, two minutes ago, I had a chance to score. Ball came in, had a three yards out, the keeper makes a save. I was like, Oh jeez, imagine. It's it just little lucky breaks like that. Like you score that going there just time go through. You, you could have played the next game and and then all of a sudden me. you're a young up and coming prospect, you know. There, there you go. You, you get named, your name goes on the Sky Sports and all and it comes up on the video printer and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's just, just little breaks like that. And but unfortunately the right back came back the next game. If he wasn't back the next game, you'd probably play that game. But Dennis Wise was the manager, Dave Bassett was there. Gus Poya. It's just them little breaks there that you did score that goal. A couple of runs of games and you, <laughs> you, know, you never know what could have you sign a new contract. Exactly. You do. You do need a little breaks. You do need a little breaks. That's to get close it, enough. The Bunkers debut was infamous. I think it was. Was it no? No, he would have been. No, I would have been. I would have played there force breaking in force, and then obviously Bunker uh, towards the end of the season would have played the league game. I think it was the last game. That was the last game. Oh, I can't remember. I think Bunker might have played the year before actually. The championship they played. And got sent off to me against Derby. What was the digs that. like when he came home? What was the first thing he said to you? I wasn't actually there. I was home because the academy was actually finished by then. The underage and the, the, I think the the championship, uh, the fourth team stayed a week uh, behind. So I would have been home by then. But I remember going to my phone at half time and had a missed call from Bocker. I better ring him back. Said, What's he ringing me back for? I'm not getting sent off. Rang me in the change room. I said, fuck's sake. But that's just him. Great opportunity. Unbelievable ability. Like, I don't know how he done it, but he'd go out drinking to all hours, go train or play a match the next day and could just run and run and run. I was like, He's marathon nice. running now as well. That's his thing. Yes. Yeah. But he couldn't, he just didn't look like it. And I said, yeah, I have to catch up with him at some stage. Like, tell me and slow down. But he just kept running and running the energy. Like, it's unbelievable. So a turbulent period in Lee's history. So, when did you find out the bad news that you were being released? I mean, there was a club in the client, like we said. Yeah, you kind of, 
you know the writings on the wall. People always say that you're training away with a, a group of that's going nowhere. You never got called in. You're just like, well, just go up and ask them what the story is, or just hang out. And then you're thinking, should I need to tell your family this and that's not working out? And it's heartbreaking because they always think oh, I'm gonna make it and also you're like just just bite the bullet. So I went up, spoke to the chief executive. He was sort of from Wales or something. He said, yeah, mind it doesn't mind you. I was like, happy enough. But Cheltenham, Cheltenham are looking for players to go down, play a trial game. Went down to Cheltenham Town, League Division or League 2, wherever way it was organised. And it's funny enough, like, he went in there and there's loads of boys playing this trial game. Billy Dennehy was there. Um, Christy Fagan was there. So it was all, it must have been just, they were getting loads of players that were released from clubs, bring them in for a trial yeah. game. It's a small world, like that you all end up in the same dressing room. And um, the Rovers moved. So, was there any other clubs out there, Cheltenham? Or did you think to yourself, I'm going home? I said, I'm going home. I said, I don't want him to go home. Go home back to the family. Um, and it was John Bulger again, rang me, who was my school boy manager. He said, Listen, Rovers, take you up there, go up and train with them. I think, yeah, uh, I one session. He said, Yeah, we'd love to train you. I'd love to sign you. It was only up the road as well, Sacred Heart, so it suited me. But like, I was going back on, Jesus, do I do I even play football anymore? Like, you kind of second guess yourself, stuff like that. But I went back, gave it a go, and said, Listen, second chance here. Got signed well, then, up and played. What about Scully who signed you, am I right? Yeah, Scully. There, yeah. Sorry, the best Scully. Not really, no, because I was only there for a few months. I remember the training being open hard, like, do you know what I mean? We were playing on a Friday and then on the on the tours they'd be up training and you'd be playing a five v five then big big area like and that was the, the starting ten. You're allowed to be out in the grass running. I'm thinking, geez, you're, you're definitely playing here. But the problem I had was the right back, the best, the best player was Jerry Bryan, like he was the right back, so I'd have to probably fit in right wing or left back sometimes and it wasn't great, like but at least I was playing and Yeah, enjoyed it. Enjoyed being back and then obviously Mike O'Neill took over then and the in the winter, I think, I think it was November, December, he took over. Yeah, I think more. I think you, I actually, I started following, I think it was 2008, and you're the first derby goal I ever saw. I think you swung one in a daily mount for Owen Doyle, 2 1 loss. Yeah, yeah, that's Remember right. Yeah. In the Connor yeah. Street side. Yeah, it was. Uh, and uh, so great, yeah. the season, it was just one of those, it was just get, get it over with. Hallas coming. Yeah. It was a it was a fodder league, you could say. I mean, it was a non-event really. All the all roads led to Tallaght. So, in the build-up to the game, to the first game, I tell it. What did your what was your first thoughts of Michael O'Neill actually? When he came in, what did you think? Yeah, Michael was great. To be fair, he was really good. Never knew about him like. Um, but the train was good. <clears throat> we had a good chat. We used to talk talk a lot. He was talking about coaches, he's trying to get in and stuff like that. But. Um, Oh, Michael was pretty set because when he came over we were training he goes oh, I want to sign you for next year and he's seen how fit I was and stuff like that and he's like you're, you're going to play so I was delighted with Michael and, but he, he could kind of tell as well like that he wouldn't take any shit like you know what I mean Michael was, yeah. was, was a hard man like you know what I mean he was a hard man so he kept you on your toes like you were delighted to see Jerry Bryan leave yeah Jerry would have signed him for I remember talking to Jerry and Gary signed them. They were offering him a house and all, obviously rented house, and he was bringing his dogs up or something. I remember he had the dogs or something with him, and he'd bring it up there, and it was great money he was getting. So 
it cleared out Michael's budget as well to bring players in. So always, always delighted. Like. I think the fans were actually quite uh, shocked at that at the time, weren't they, Gary, that we were selling Jer O'Brien? It turned out to be an inspired deal, but at the time, I think fans were taken aback. Yeah, he was a fan's favourite. Fans were disgusted, but... I think well, Simon, you were, Simon, you were, like, as Gary says, you're a tad of man, so you would have seen the, the shell of a stadium there when you were younger, just in the landscape, <laughs> not feeling the work happening. Um. So that you come home to pay for Roberts, did you did you go up and see the stadium like in the the weeks building up to the first game? Do you think it would how, what did it look like before the first day? Yeah, it was strange. We would have seen it starting again building, and I think they stopped working it for a long time. And you were kind of thinking, would it ever be finished? And then kind of strange going back to the Rovers, and you think you're going to be playing the first game in it as well. So the buzz around the place was, was great. Like, but I never thought I'd be playing in the first game and playing for Rovers because I. I League of Ireland, my family would have been from Inter Corps, so they would have been kind of all past fans. Didn't really have a team, to be honest with you. Would have been just United. But um, yeah, they would have been all Inter Corps, so uncles and all be all past fans. But I was, it was a great game. The first game there was unbelievable. Before we jump into that one, tell us about the Scotsman that pretty much replaced Gerald O'Brien, freed up the budget. What was he like in training? Did you think he has a bit about him? Gary Twig, yeah, I remember. Michael was talking to us before he came over. He goes, well, we need a striker. He's a whippet. So, I mean, he's going to be quick and all. You're expecting this lad to come in. and going to be fucking running the channels and stuff like that. But he's kind of totally the opposite. He's just a, just seemed so composed in the ball and just a finisher. Just a pure finisher. He's like a, always reminds me of kind of a Robbie, Robbie Felder. Robbie Felder always just kind of plays things into the goal and stuff like that. You know, he never whacked it and all. And just he didn't really do the grass, did he, Twig? He wasn't there. He no. Wasn't that was, and sometimes, yeah, you can, you can put up for that if somebody's going to keep scoring goals. Like, you know, you don't care. You know you're going to run from. He's going to bag you a goal. So, I think he did score. So let's go to 2009, the game itself, Sligo. So, what, how did you feel going into it? Did you did you get how the role response was? Like, did, the, did the players buy into it? Because it was such a long road, such yeah, heartbreaking the years previous, you know. Yeah, I don't think the players really felt how how excited, how emotional the fans would have been. You know what I mean? Even myself, being from Tallaght, oh, that'd be great now. But I think these fans were traveling everywhere to watch them their home games, and when they were playing shells in Tallaght Park, like the home games the year before, that wasn't great going over the north side, hitting traffic and all. Especially with me being two minute walk away, like it was horrendous. But that fourth game, the atmosphere was just just amazing, and the, and the game was kind of a bit of a blur. But I think we we started off well, and obviously the fourth goal and stuff helped us. But uh, yeah, not I think not many people know, but that pitch is big. But it used to be a lot bigger. I remember playing that the fourth season; it was huge. I think they brought it in, and they brought well, it I up. I think in it, initially it they wanted it as a garbage, didn't they? Yeah, but honestly, guy, I want to try to run up and down it. It was massive, the pitch. <laughs> Absolutely massive. And that just <laughs> kill you after a game. Like, something else to be running up and down. So, the as the season kind of wore on, um, I think it was 10 games, possibly, you played yeah. in that season. Um, were you yes. injured? This is so- no. See, I, was, I was still young there. So, what, 20, 21? Still no real experience of playing league football, like you know what I mean. Um, over been over in England, but a couple of mistakes to here and there, and confidence kind of went, and then was kind of out of the team and stuff like that. And just didn't manage to get back into the team. 
I think Cork had a lot of um, a lot of bodies down there. They're getting rid of a few. I think Pat Sullivan then came in in the summer. Obviously, Rovers would have had a bigger budget then, but it's over and just got more experienced players in. We played in the league a long time and just couldn't get in there. It was just a squad player playing. I think the B League was around the B Championship, playing a lot of games there. So just found it really tough to get back into the side. Do you think Andy that Myler that team had potential? The, the A Championship. The A Championship, was it? Was that under Andy Myler? Uh, Sorry, the A Championship. Yeah, I think Andy was the manager. So they would have been playing Sundays, I think. I think we actually won the league that time, played that many games. But there was a few first team players. Like, I think Owen Doyle were playing a few games and stuff like that. Um, Eric Eric Quinn, I think, was there as well. So there was a few of us trying with the first team. And then if you weren't playing, you go and play. At least you were getting game time, I suppose. But there was a bit of an event that season itself. If you didn't play much in the league, you had the Real Madrid game. So, yeah, that was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. How that came out, I didn't never know. But was, Any uh, stories about that one? Because I think Royce I used to tell us that I think Guti smelled gorgeous. <laughs> I they just saw a look. I remember coming on, I think I played 15, 20 minutes, wherever it was, but in the second half, and they just looked like models. Like every time I remember playing, every time these teams came over, you played them in a friendly. I remember Marco Alonso against, uh, when I played for Pats, he was playing with Chelsea. It's just a beast of a band. I mean, he looked like a model, the hair, the chin and all. He always had to take his hair. Like, it was just unbelievable. Like, you know what I mean? They seemed to have it all. They did all smell great as well. You'd be getting that jerseys off them and all. Like, Jesus Christ, he's got to running around, but he smells great. But they were just, like, Giroud was one as well. He was like a rock. We just good-looking fella and all. And they have the whole, they have the life. Like, you know what I mean? It's just it's built. Playing, playing as a professional footballer and their control and, they're probably only in second gear, but still, it was unbelievable playing against these kind of these specimens. In the, in the lead up to that game, there was a couple of trialists on, on as well. Was there any players who felt their nose they were joined by not being able to start in such a big game? I think I can't remember their yeah. names escaping now. Yeah, Danko, there was. There was one. I think they were Slovakian. I remember the two. There were still yeah, lads over. Were, yeah. yeah, yeah, they were. I think there was a couple of lads being would have been pissed off. Like obviously, they would have been these lads only coming over, probably not getting signed. But that's. That's just the way it is sometimes, you know what I mean? Um, it's, it's tough. Everybody wants to play that kind of game, but I think we held them off for a good bit and then I think... Uh, yes, he should have scored, in fairness. Yeah, he did in a lot, but I think Hines just stood, stepped out of, uh, out of the back. Hit a lovely diag, I think it was Benzema. Was it a score? Yeah, I think, I think it, was it Benzema? Probably? Benzema with two minutes to go. I think you came on yeah. after the goal, Simon. Yeah. So yeah, you you were a bit late in that one. Yeah. So like I said, the DVD yeah. is still going around, and it was it was such an event. But um, Bowles ended up making the title at the end of that one. They our very own Glenn Cronin playing that day to help Bowles lift the trophy. So was there an option to stay on with the hoops? And what way did the Darlington move come about? No, there wasn't because it was not play. Like so, I needed to move out. I remember Dundalk spoke with uh, Ian Foster at length there. I was signing for Dundalk and. Uh, I was, my heart was setting and then I got a phone call I can't remember who it was from it could have been Toy a Rovers Toy rang me and said uh, uh, Steve Stanton's at Darlington he's looking to get players over and I thought go back to England like, like give it a go they're league two at the bottom 
only for six months. This was in December, like so. I said, okay, here they go. Only six months. So it was a tough decision to leave the girlfriend and stuff like that, and leave the family again. So hindsight, I probably wouldn't move back over. Definitely, probably wouldn't make that move again. But yeah, playing a few games over there made it made a few bobs, stuff like that. Yeah. Ah, you're mad, man. I swear to God, he's like one lads. Like, if he was, well, he would have been about 46 when I went over, but like, he was talking to you on the pot and all. Like, I mean, he's just mad, door open. One of the lads, I'm getting on last night, you know, something to eat and all. There you go. This fella used to be the Ireland manager. Like, I mean, and coaching wires, tactics, football brain. What are we talking? Yeah, found it. I think he found a tough. He had a, he had a coach there. was wasn't great. Like Jimmy, he wasn't great. But Stan was Stan would have been a great man manager. Like Jimmy, talks to people and stuff like that. I think he just needed a proper coach with him. And get a proper coach, you do anything for Stan. Like Jimmy, he's a great lad. He helped you, helped you out with flights and stuff like that. Getting you lift to the airport. But I think just coaching wise, you need somebody in there with him. Like that's why he probably struggled with. Don't know who was in with the Ireland team, but you can see why he kind of got the job. With his playing career and being just being a great lad and probably talk to he's gonna the best out of these players like yeah, well, it wasn't to be in the end, but noble names in the team. Newcastle giant Dan Bourne. Do you remember him? Yeah, I do. I was only talking to uh my wife Ron there, we were watching United and uh, Newcastle game said he was after anything I was there and he's about seven foot as well. I don't know what size he is now, he's the same height, but he was that size when he was I think he would have been fifteen when I was there. He would have been just training with the on holidays now with the force team. But he was a monster. And I thought to myself, he's too slow. He's never gonna make it. Like I mean, even in this team. But what a career he's had so far. Like Yeah, yeah. Dean Windass. Dean Windass. Yeah, he was there. I think he played a couple of games and left. Uh Glenn Whelan would have been there. Remember Glenn Whelan play for Leeds, Coventry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, football manager. I remember football manager used to sign him a couple of times. I think he was always about 48 or 49 when you see him. Like, he always, what are you scared? <laughs> I don't think he had any hamstrings. I swear to God, every time he went up, he's getting his rubs on, rubs on his legs. I don't think I ever seen him train and play games. Like, he would have been about, about four stone overweight as well. Like, it was just mad. Stan just brought these players in just to think to get bodies in, but think they're still going to do a job. But it wasn't to be. Like, it wasn't yeah, tinfoil hat enthusiast Gary Dempsey as well. Gary Dempsey, yeah. That, that was a good lad. That was a good lad, in fair. Like, was he as mental as he as he is now back then? Oh, he was calm, actually. He was calm. Maybe he had a, he could lose it, to be fair. Gary could lose it, but never he would have stayed with us a lot. Um and he moved out. If the family came over, he went somewhere else. But no, Gary was sound, he was good lad. That was that was pre Twitter days, Gary, wasn't it? Yeah. Definitely. So he yeah. wasn't he wasn't cutting pro wrestling promos then. No, no. But it's funny lad, great lad, good player as well. To be fair, guy, very good player. So Darling thing came to an end. Um, it must have just fell to pieces, did it? I was like, geez, what, what's going on here? Like, you, it, just thinking, it's it's so tough. Like, it's so tough. And I would have probably, like, that's that uh, January. Sorry, the previous January, I would have lost me that at 20. So I would have signed him for uh, Michael at Rovers. But I remember my dad died in, in January and two days later, we were in pre-season. You know what I mean? I was like, fucking hell. All the things that happened. Like, so, to be fair, Michael was all right about it. Um, but it was just, started off well and then went downhill. So, um, 
if I went back to get back to it, I would have been or Ian Foster would have ringed me back at Dundalk again in the summer, seeing what I fancy coming back up to Dundalk. And I said, so yeah, he always had his eye on you anyway. Yeah, he always kept. Yeah, I think he spoke with. Uh, I don't know who he's speaking to before, like, but he always kind of fancy me as as a player, like. So I said, I'm gonna give it a go, like, and really enjoyed. It. I went there for six months. Wasn't really fully fit, but played every game when I went in every minute, and uh, done really, really well. Play really good football, and then the following year got got the captaincy as well. So don't really enjoy it. You a bit of silverware there with Derry, I believe, 2012 as well. So did you enjoy your time with Dundalk and Derry? Had fond memories there. Yeah, brilliant. Sure. Look at the, the, the Dundalk team we had. We had Colin Hawkins, um, Jay Bourne. We all travelled together. Keith Ward, Stephen Marr, uh, some some players. Like I know I would have been the captain of these lads. I was thinking, Jesus. Bear with me depth here, but great experience, lads. Are you describing the night now or are you describing the team? That was the, the journey up was unbelievable. Sir. 45 minutes in the car, 45 minutes on the way back, like some stories. But Key Ward was just, I don't know if anybody knows him, but he's just mad as a bush. Like he's mad now, but back then he would have been only young. But some of the stories, going up in his little mic, Jay Warren bet in the back of it. So crap, I tell you. So, you're back in the League of Ireland and you also had a stint under myself, Gary Parsons, the Dublin Mail Centre. You and Brando Mele <laughs> formed a formidable yeah. partnership, spinning letters and packets. I think you lasted a week. I think it was. Oh, I did last a week. I stayed there. I actually enjoyed that. I think it was a night. Was it one night? That wasn't me. That was one of the other lads. Who, who, no, he, was no, he one didn't last a while, Gary. No, Brando quit after about two days. Brando, Brando was going yeah, after Brando, a day or two. Yeah, he didn't fancy it. I stayed in. Uh, I remember the look it. on his face. Wasn't for him. Wasn't for him because no. he only had a baby as well and stuff like that. And the time difference probably changed the baby nappies and things like that. It just didn't work from it. I don't think so. Bit of a mad place to work, but we came up with our starting eleven of DNC players, right? So we came up with this. I came up with this earlier on. So we no keeper, right? So we were going to yeah. get Baz in very morbid, but he never turned up, right? He didn't turn up for duty. So we fly keeper. So we've got Lukey Bourne, left back, Jay McGuinness and Tim Clancy, centre half, and you, right back. We've got Finner, Brando, Webby, Gavin Pearce. So it's a bit of a cloud in the middle of the park. We're not sure what formation <laughs> we're going with. And we've got it's Sean Boyd. Very defensive midfield there. It's a yeah. very defensive midfield, yeah. We've got Quigley, Mark Quigley and Boydy up top. And we've got Tyreek Wilson and Deegan on the bench. So it's not bad. 4 4 2. Hard walking to him. But there wasn't much right to, to write home about in the coming seasons as regards to silverware and things like that. But you were always Mr. Consistent. So we Luxembourg and Norway 2015. Memorable trips? Yeah, just to see different parts of the country and uh, to, to Europe. Like, it's just, I think Luxembourg we went over was in the but geez, the heat. It's just. I remember going over and training because I'm not great in the heat. Thinking, oh, I'm bollocks there, like, you know I mean? Couldn't get any bread and stuff like that, but we done really well. And I thought we'd get a decent result here with a bash to my home, which we did yeah. about 3 now, wasn't it? Yeah, I think Marty scored a brace, didn't he? Yeah. And what There's about another the man there, say, Marty Waters, the worst man to train with in the world. You play against what him, he's stabbing you with his bones, he would, Marty. He's just, bones <laughs> everywhere he had. Marty actually saved someone's life in our our fans tournament. So I think it was the debut fans tournament. 
went up for a ball and he couldn't give him a little nudge, you know, but he sent him the wrong way. And your man landed on his back, choke, choking on his tongue. Marty straight in, pulled the tongue yes. out, into the recovery position, saved the whole lot. So, we owe Marty one anyway, that's for sure. No, he's a great lad, Marty. He's great, he is. What about the uh, the uh, charter flight to Iceland in 2017 with the players and the fans? You and Webby playing a prank on Gary Shields. <laughs> Still convinced you pissed in the shoes. It wasn't water. You pissed in the shoes. No, no, no. No chance. No chance. See that flight back. You, you couldn't sleep or wink. You couldn't be worried out of the game. <laughs> we would have to get a game on the Sunday. So you wouldn't be able to have a few beers or nothing. Like, and just you get up to all sorts. Like, as soon as somebody fell asleep, you're putting something in their mouth. Like, it was just ridiculous. Putting something I, in their mouth. Some in their mouth, they're falling asleep, yeah, they're choking on something, or you'd be drawing on somebody's face, or tying their laces, or just taking all the gear. And just <laughs> nothing was safe, like nothing was safe. Um, yeah, so they, they were all memorable trips. And uh, we'll talk about the Daily Mail massacre. You remember this one, 4 0. Um, what can you remember from the game? And after the four in particular, there was a bit of skirmish on the pitch, so the atmosphere was electric. You remember this one? Brando got Which two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brando was brilliant that day. Brennan got a cracker for the fourth. Yeah. I was just, everything went our way. I think we played really well. I remember one day, I think we bet balls three or four times in a row and we are going for a record or something to beat them six in a row or seven. Could be more. But I remember Stephen Bradley saying it to us, like, you, you win this game again and I think we got beaten in it though. But, um, yeah, when I was there, our record against Bowles was pretty decent, to be fair. The atmosphere in both stadiums was really, really good. Like It always seemed a bit different, though, when in playing in Bowles with their crowd because the pitch is obviously a bit closer and stuff like that. But uh, no, we had some really good results, and that 4 0 was just probably the best one out of a lot, I think. Possibly it was a bit of a like a bit of a damn squib of a season, so it was one of the highlights. But we're going to talk about Brando, right? Brando's still one of my favorite players. I think um, best finisher since Twiggy, player that possibly fits into this current Rovers team now, on form, fit. How good was he? I was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. Because I think he came back and played for Bluebell, but like, he, his best position, I think, was when he won Player of the Year. Was he played left wing, didn't he? He's right forward, but he was just this. He was always machine. It. Yeah, he was a machine. Big legs, had a kind of boxer like body, the shoulders come in, stuff like that. Um, but he's just you know, when I got the ball half a yard he just had that kind of like Ronaldo how Ronaldo used to hit the ball just pure power and the ball, once he hit it right it'd swerve everywhere but he was on fire before he had a great season there a few times he played right wing ahead of me didn't really suit because he liked to tuck in and stuff like that but his acceleration was outrageous like he's one of them players kind of glided with the ball and he couldn't get it off him. he just bounced off him. Like, really good player He's one of, the, one of the guys that we'd love to get on. Well, I'm sorry, Pop, go on. While we're on the topic, actually, who is the best player you ever played with in your career? There's a few. Yeah, I remember playing at Rovers for the fourth year. Dara Maguire, centre-half. Remember Dara? Really? I do indeed, oh, yeah. Hero. Oh, one of my favourite centre-halves oh. as well, to be fair. Yeah, unbelievable. Just something felt... I think when I was there, he just played well. Like, he... He walked in the elevator, so he was part, kind of part-time, he was from, but 
what's held the half? Great in the year. Now, this would have been probably towards the end of his career, I think. Great in the year. Great defender. Good talker. Just, just you wear the black boots. I think it was Puma or Umbro. Proper centre half. But he's just a great centre. Just yeah, a great player. Like, you just hate seeing the stick out. Another couple probably be uh, Kevin Deary. I think one player I always played with was Kevin Deary. That would change the game on his own. Like, he was a midfielder. Like, he was just horrible to play against. I remember playing against him. And he come and tackle him. You get the ball, but he'd always stand on your toe by accident or something like that. He was just horrible, and he was a unit. But he just could drag a team up on his own. Like he was just an amazing player. Rory Higgins is another one. Barry Malloy, that them three was a great midfielder for Derry. Uh, probably naturally gifted player would be, and probably Patrick but McElhenney. What a player! Like left or right foot, technical, <laughs> just power. He was. He was unbelievable. What a player he was. Um. Yeah, just... So it's it's think worth 2016, right? Anybody else? 2016. Any strikers? Best strikers? Uh, Gary Twig would be up there, obviously. Um, strikers. On his game, when he, when he was on it, was would have been Eamon Zee, would have been one. Like, you know I mean, Eamon was unbelievable. He had everything. Like, but Eamon would be a bit mad in the head, he'd tell you that. Like, um... Who else? Strikers. I'm trying to think of Pat's Derry. Mark Farron. Remember Mark Farron played for Derry? Obviously he's passed yeah, away yeah. now, but he's a small little fella, but what a whipper. I would have played when he was a bit older, but geez, he was quick. He was very, very quick. But um he would have been one of them as well, I think Mark Farron. So, like you said, twenty sixteen season, we battered in the cup by Cork. He was five 0 prop, am I right? Yep. Yeah. Rops knocked us out of Europe. What was going wrong that season? Now, Gaffer was nutty, am I right? Nutty came in, yeah. It just wasn't... Um, was it the dressing room or was it his style? What what went wrong? Probably a bit of both. I remember Nutty, like, Nutty would rather draw a game to all than actually go for it, I think. So, I mean, I think the fans probably <laughs> sense that about him. I think that sends you a bit more, like, oh, I'll take a point here or whatever. And we'd be at home instead of just go for it, like you know what I mean, go for it, try and get try and get the win. Like so he's a bit a little bit negative sometimes. Again, Nutsy was a great lad when he first came in, you know, plays some of the best football on the Nutsy when he came in. Great, great fella talked it and um yeah, probably just a little bit defensive. <laughs> I don't think yeah, Stephen Bradley took over then when, when he uh, when he got the bullet. We'll rewind slightly and we'll go back to Crosby. Talk about the spreadsheets. Jason McGuinness says that Jason McGuinness said that Crowley put him to sleep before in a meeting with his spreadsheets and whatever presentations he used to do. So can you back Jay up on this one? Oh jeez, I can't remember now. Jay <laughs> probably would have been we're having an extra year maybe with 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 uh, Trevor. So I would probably coming in the second year of Jay being there. So maybe lighten up. I remember video presentations out there. They, they were deep and frequent. But again, Trevor <laughs> was... Uh... <laughs> You're being yeah, diplomatic there, I reckon. In, in the AUL, it would have been. I remember sitting in the uh, kind of gym area. We had a lot of meetings and stuff like <laughs> that. But um, it, it a lot of managers get, like to try to get a lot of information across. But you have to understand, you can only be there for five or ten minutes and players 
I tell you, we'll fall asleep and it just goes out of our head. Like, so I find a way balance. Well, speaking of, well, like um, we said, just on uh, Trevor Crawley and then Pat Fenlon, I remember both managers really favoured you, like as an outlet on, on the right side. Like, were you happy to be like that focal point to try and create chances? And did they ask different things of you? And then Steve Bradley as well, following them. Yeah, I think Trevor. I think in the summer, Trevor tried to sign me before I actually joined. I remember Derry getting a bid. I think it was a transfer, the last day of the transfer. He put a bid in. I would have been home. I was like, will I do it? I was thinking about going. I said, nah, I have to stay with Derry. Like, they've been so good to me. So I stayed out, finished off the season. Went to and signed for Rovers then because I always had it in my head. I wanted to go back and I wanted to sign for Rovers. So I had two great seasons at Derry. Trevor signed me. And uh, it probably just worked out that way that I was attacking right back and it just seemed to work for that team because. You don't really get out and out wingers anymore. Wingers gonna take somebody on the outside, so it suited me for somebody to play ahead of me that was always gonna tuck in with their left yeah. four come in and play in the pocket and leave that space open for me. Because one thing I had was an engine get up and down, and I just thought to myself, like the best way of defending against a winger is run the other way. Like you know what I mean? So I had in my head that I was mentally fitter and stronger than them. I'm just that's it. it just ended up that way that. I think that season, the fourth year, I think I got 11 assists and nearly 23 games. I 10 assists. I won every three. It wasn't too bad. Like, so I had a decent season. I think the prop had a great stat saying that in the, I think the three or four seasons, you missed four games overall. Well, you missed you missed two league games from 2014 to 2017. And you've played yeah. 123 consecutive league matches. That's right. So the fourth, the fourth game when I saw him back, I was suspended, so I would have been Derry at home. I was actually suspended because I got a yellow card in the last game against Derry, or for Derry. So I wasn't even in contention for the first league game. So as soon as I missed that, it was 123 games then. So it would have been three and a half seasons nearly. And the only reason I missed that was my brother's wedding. So. Oh, I think I remember that. I remember yeah. well, was that yeah. Oh, wait, was, wait. That, was that the beginning of the downfall, wasn't it? Uh, no, I think I finished out that season. Like uh, yeah, I got. Oh, I can't remember. Maybe it was. I remember playing all the games. I, I, anytime I was fit, I was playing games. I played all the games. Played all the minutes, nearly. I think. Um, majority of all the cup games as well. Even the league cup games, probably the fourth round. I probably may have had the rest of as a young lad coming in, but I was playing nearly the thirty four games a season. Like, we Brad's out coming in left field appointment by all accounts. What was the initial reaction within the team? And let's say the football industry, you could say, was was there a shock when this? Because I know Rovers fans were shocked because he was relatively inexperienced when he came in. Yeah, definitely was. Well, I got on well with everybody who was coaching there with Glenn. Got on really well. It wasn't a surprise when he came in, kind of took the role caretakers. Obviously, the assistant manager, our coach, take it till they find somebody. And obviously, with the work he'd done behind the scenes and setting up the academy with Shane Robinson and stuff like that and getting all the work done behind the scenes, you probably thought, let's give him a go. Like, because I remember I'm doing his coaching badges and hearing some people saying he was unbelievable on his, on his courses and assessments and stuff like that. So, kind of have that in your head and with the career he's had, I suppose it was a brave, brave choice. But where Rovers were going and they're only going up, so he was a massive, uh, massive pull in that way. But you, I think it was, a, it was a case of, it was a case of, um, we were becoming. 
for want of a better word, the bastard club where we were sacking managers. I mean, we'd, we'd gone yeah. through Kenny, Crowley, Nutsy. I think we needed to make a statement, try and sign someone and give them a chance. And ultimately, it has worked out. But um, I, I think they were going to stick with him no matter what. Yeah, you need that. I think you need that. I think it was a, whether it going to be a three or five year plan. No matter what happened, once they're kind of making making the right waves about it and going the right direction, that they were going to stick with them. And luckily they did. And it was one of their own people as well. So it was great because he's been working for them for a while, like behind the scenes with the underage help. So we kind of knew players coming through as well. So that obviously helped it. And that leads into the, the next question is we crashed out of Europe and Sean Boyd came onto the scene, memorable goal versus Bowles. Was this a case of the players responding? trying to impress a new manager so just off the back of crash now Europe come back 3-1 win versus Bowles with once again Sean Boyd making his entrance onto the league of Ireland scene that was an early game an early goal was it in that game yeah Shawsy little flick from Shawsy 1-2 with Shawsy yeah. yeah 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 it was a big, big did, win. The, did the players respond to him as a new gaffer coming in yeah I think you always get a response when a new, when a new manager comes in for a few games but it's after them first few games when people aren't playing stuff like that or don't like you, the, the tempo kind of can drop. But we continued on, played really well, played good football. It's perhaps I would have played, like, get the ball there and move, like, when he played. So, we were we were decent before, and I think we played 3-5-2 a couple of times as well. Unfortunately, we played against Cork when we got bashed 5-0. You know, Cork were a strong side, but he kind of played to the player's strengths so. So he was he was innovative back then and done a great job now since. So we ended up finishing fourth, twenty two points off of Dundalk. So did you feel there was potential for that group to get better or a clear out was needed? So a lot of players, so called bad eggs, Brennan's to name a few, that's just you know, we're not with kids apparently, so can you did you think that the, that team had hit a wall or Get yeah, yeah, yeah. I d- it did lead change, big changes. There was players there coming in, and not doing the best, and, and players can sense it as well. Like you know, I mean, you get a few bad eggs and lads not walking, training properly, and you get torn off. I'm like, yeah, you might be friends now, but <laughs> at the end of the day, you're like, I mean, this is my livelihood here. Like you know, I mean, and you're coming in here yeah. taking the piss a little bit and stuff like that. And I think Stephen, Stephen knew that straight away, like what was happening. And, it's the first thing you do. You kind of get rid of these players that have come over and haven't haven't done it. Like, you know I, mean? I think one of the, the toughest things is a lot of players have played for other clubs and done really well. But it's a different, I think it's a different ball game when you're for over. So going to that kind of stadium and some players enjoy it. Some people just go into their shells and don't perform. So it's, mm. it's, a, it's a tough crowd to play in front of and tough club to play for. Not everybody's played their best football there. But uh, 2016 did end on a good note for you personally, Simon. You won the Player of the Year award. What did that mean to you? Yeah, I was delighted. Delighted. Um, I think it's just all the kind of commitment I probably gave for the years building up to that. Doing really well. I won it in Derby as well, Player of the Year. And just can kind of continue that on. I just wanted to get better and better and keep improving. And just, I was delighted because I actually got married in that December as well. So it was a, it was a big year. Um, but yeah, it was Great award. Uh, I really enjoyed it, but I, I did play really good football that year. You just have one of them seasons where you know everything's going right for you and you're playing really well and you try stuff and just pulling off. So I really enjoyed it. 
think you came out and you spoke about the cutthroat industry that football can be. It's possibly a player of the year being released. It, it doesn't it doesn't really happen that often. No, I think it happened, it happened to Gary Shaw as well. Did he get and went the next year as well? Maybe. Sometimes uh, it happens. It happens. That's that's the way it goes. Things change. People have things in their head and stuff like that that they want to go a different way. But there's nothing you can do about it. Yes, sir. Yeah, and it was very honest. I have to say, I did enjoy. I read that article back again today about um, a lot of people could be bare over being released and you got the phone call and you said, right, I want to get it over with and with my wife on holiday. I just want yeah. to know about it. And you, Stephen said he wanted to speak to your face, but you wanted to get it done with. You came off really well in that article. You didn't come off better, whereas a lot of players could have. No, listen, it's it's the small industry. It's small world football, really. Like, and to be fair, like I had a, I remember driving out trying Roadstone that season towards the end of the season. I had a good feeling saying, I don't think they're going to swim because there's no real talk. And it's just sometimes you go by your gut. I just didn't have it. And I was like, maybe it's not like, maybe it's not going to happen. And uh, the season was up and you probably still didn't make a decision on a few players. And we went away. We were in New York. Some people say, geez, you've done it over a phone call. But I, I was away. like, And he could have leaving that for another week or so. I think I was going to LA as well. And you're still thinking, geez, what am I going to do? Like, So that could be in a week where another club's on another right back and you're left with no club whatsoever. So that's why like, we had to have that conversation on the phone. These things happen. Like, you know I mean, obviously you want to do it in person, but if I'm halfway around the world, like you can't do it. So that's why I said I'd make a phone call. I had it in my head that it's not going to be on the holidays because I was speaking to other clubs then straight after. So it was nearly getting a deal done then. So, but I think you also was safe in your mind. You were probably really assured that you knew you had me and the broth to come home to the double mail centre. <laughs> yeah, I had, the, I had the application in. It's just waiting for the email. I was back. <laughs> So um, we're going to have a bit of a bit of fun with it now. I think, Prof, have you got anything else to, to say to Soy before we have the fans and uh, teammates' questions? Um, other questions? No, I think we covered everything there, Gar. So we, we can go into some ex-teammates. Ex they have some questions for you now. So, yeah, so we got some fan questions for us. We're going to go, <clears throat> when you heard Darling, you were interested, did you see this as a second chance in England or hesitant to go? Now, we touched on this uh, briefly, yeah. but um, what was there? So that's from my view on Instagram. It was just, just a second chance. It was League Two football in England, in the Football League. I think, geez, we never get this again. So we gave it a go. Didn't really enjoy it. But if I didn't give it a go, you're like, geez, you're not having a chance to go back in there. Why did you not do it? So he's like, yeah. give it a stab to me. And when you, were, when you left um, Rovers in 2010, did you think to yourself, I'll, I'll be back playing here eventually? That's from my view again. Yeah, I had it in the back of my mind that I would come back. If I came back to the League of Ireland, I'd play for this club, definitely. It's only up the way for me. As I said, a few minutes walk, I go past nearly every day. So I thought, geez, it'd be handy playing for this club. And such a big club, prestigious club, that if I'm going to play my best football, I would have to be for this club, yeah. Adam Woods says, what's the best moment in the green and white? Yeah. Probably all them kind of European nights. Yeah. Playing European, the clubs just gone away and the big stadiums. And I think one one of the probably the best games would have been probably Derry in the semi final of the FAI Cup. Uh, I think we were 1 0 up, got man in the match that day. And I was like, geez, we're, we're going to win this, play the storm of the game. I think they scored in the 90th minute from a corner. 
you know, Rory Parsons got ahead of like I thought, Jesus, I think if we would have win that semi final, we would have win the cup that season. But then we had the, the replay on the Tuesday, straight after the Sunday, a day of recovery, nobody expecting it. Went up, I think Jason McGinnis got sent off, fell apart like, but uh, kind of games like that and all that kind of the bows, yeah. the bows games and we do. Uh, Keen Doyle says, what's the plan with coaching in the future and what's the next step after Francis? No, to be diplomatic here. I, I know you're current, it's, in your, it's in your current role, but that's from Keen Doyle. He wants to know, what's your aspirations as a coach? Yeah, I just completed the uh, UEFA U, Elite UA license. So the next one after that would be the pro license. So I don't know how many badges that I can do at the moment. Um, so you're badged up totally up until pro? Yeah, so the, the next one is the pro where you can go or kind of off to the side there and do little other ones like um, speech tutors and stuff like that. So, yeah, I just completed that there. Started in, uh, started in January. So, we got to start there a few weeks ago. So, that's done. So, that's like the academy manager role in England and stuff like that, what you need. So, that's completed. Probably with, with Francis, listen, we have a football plan in place for the, the underage, kind of make it a bit better for the Levin side teams and then. I'm training and coaching the seniors now as well. So we're in the second division when I get down to the, the Leinster Senior League, the top league. It's tight at the top um, in the minute, isn't it? Yeah, it's tight. It's a tough league to get out. But I think like we have a plan in place with that club where we want to get young players that are coming out of League of Ireland, giving them a platform and go away. And I think players like Devine going to the Black Club is only going to help that for us. That, mm. The second division does appear in the League of Ireland that a club like Francis might be uh, might be ready to step into it. So, yeah, it's always coaching wise. I want to push on. Hopefully, make yeah. make a step into the League of Ireland. Prof, do you want to ask this one? Gary McCabe has a question. <laughs> no, there's one before that, Gary. I'll leave that with you. What's the What's the best atmosphere? Best atmosphere you played in, Simon. Best atmosphere, uh, probably would be uh, in Turkey for Derry. We played a. European game in Trasbon Sore, I think it is called. Remember Maluda, they were throwing loads of money around at the time. I think when we were over there, Maluda just signed them from Chelsea. But we went there and I think a small little stadium. But when you go into it, I think it was 3,000 there. The pitch went down a little bit into the ground and the whole place was hopping for 90 minutes. So, geez, this was unbelievable. We got beaten 4 2, but the atmosphere was amazing. Yeah. Unbelievable. I was, uh, I was interviewing Gary Shaw for. For the program, and uh, he pointed out that he actually made his debut in India in 2016. I love the way he just he just put it. He just goes, "I made my debut for Shaman Growers in front of 30,000 Indians." So, <laughs> what was that atmosphere like? That see that place over there, a mad spot, India. We're in a five star hotel. As soon as you walk out, easy in the back of a field. They want to smell the place now. It was just it was just carnage. Like when you walk outside. Such a poor place, but the people are just so lovely. Like, but we're in a five star hotel, only just opened up. Me, me, and Danny North, room to ourselves. We're only one bed though, we only had a double bed, so we had to share. I had to share a room for 24 nights with Danny North. He had the worst toenails you could ever imagine, the worst eating habit you could ever imagine, and the worst arse you could ever smell. I swear to god, the man, <laughs> I don't know how he was so big because all he done was drink bottles of coke. I think it was probably Diet Coke as well and play football manager. That's all he done for 24 nights. 
football manager. He's probably the worst Fully enough, we have some questions from Danny. Uh, <laughs> ask him why our rooms smell so bad in India. <laughs> that was his arse. He's the worst. I told you. He <laughs> was bleeding his ass. You have a serious reputation for uh, for your bell movements, so. Yeah, there was there was this from uh, Barry Murphy actually. He said, "Ask him, is he going to pay for my laser eye surgery after sitting behind him <laughs> in the bus for years and getting pink eye in every away trip?" <laughs> King Farter. I hear I when I played, I just eat and eat and eat. That's so much because it just used it up energy wise, running up and down the pitch. And, after a game, my stomach would be in an awful way. I mean, like an awful way. You almost have to go somewhere. You want to, yeah, you want to smell me, honest God. Like, it, it would burn your eyes. Like, I used to sit this by the toilet, like, close enough, so just in case. But it was just, I think for hours, it was very in front of me, bars behind me. But I swear to God, the noise in me was ridiculous, honest to God. Have you learned to eat quiet since India? <laughs> As I said, I used to eat all the time. I was an animal. Get up, eat, train after that, eat, eat. But yeah, no table manners whatsoever. This is still goes mad. He's still using the caffeine shampoo. What do you what do you think? Look at that bad boy. Still going. <laughs> I, I probably started that in when did I start that? When I was playing for a day. Probably ten years I'm using that. You know I mean? So you can see the rewards there now. Still going. And uh, Danny North, last one from Danny. Did you ever meet up with Arnie from the gym? <laughs> Tell us about uh, it. Well. What's going on here? Well, I still have the photographs. They had a fella walking in that. There was a gym in the hotel over there. And you want to see this fella. He's about, he's the image of Arnie, but he's Indian. And he had a little, little, little porno hash just sticking out of his top of his lip. But he got around with the little t-shirt on and all. I swear, he, he must have worked on 22 hours a day in that gym because We'd be coming back from training. We'd be having naps and all on the bed and all, on the bench in the gym. Like this lad, poor fella. Get all Adidas tracksuit buttons on and skin tight t-shirt. Gas fella, like, but yeah, he was the Indian Ernie. Great lad. You weren't involved in any of the scraps for the Argentina in the lobby, were you? <clears throat> no, no, I don't think so. Um, I, I tell you, I don't know if anybody's ever told you this story about uh, in India, the lads were all on the bus. All quiet, nothing going on, and then within a few seconds, there was bottles getting thrown everywhere for some reason. Lads drink everywhere, and lads pissing on everybody. I was like, "What is going on here?" It was madness. So within a few seconds, just torn like a horror movie. Carnage. Were you were you there when a uh, certain Pat Craig was nearly killed by a ceiling fan? <laughs> I wasn't there. I heard it. <laughs> I think they were over in the pub or something and he was drinking something and he just gets up and puts the hand up and the thing's spinning around and he takes it off. He's another one that was a mad thing on drink. Mad thing. Uh, Prof, we'll leave the Gary McCabe question for last. You can ask that one. Shawzy's wondering about your bill. Shawzy's wondering about your bill movements and he's wondering if you ever got the volume about the caffeine shampoo. So you're, you're a bit, you're a bit consistent with the shampoo and the bill movements as well. well you know what they're going to get from me. Like on the pitch. Yeah, good 7.5 out of 10 hours. But, uh, yeah. That, that's pretty much it, Simon. You've been brilliant. Uh, thanks for taking the time out to have a chat with us. And have a little word in Gar's ear as well. We're trying to get him on, our former yeah. uh, Alice man number 10. So, listen, you've been brilliant. Thanks again. And we'll no talk soon, right? Thanks, Simon. Thanks. thanks very much. Enjoy it. Thank you.
Bye, bye, bye. Yeah, so that was Simon. And uh, some interesting stuff. Underpants. Having fun with the underpants of Bacabalian at Wardrobe. Yeah, some cards in that dress meal. Some interesting about, stuff. Likes, likes of Webby and Shazzy. Uh, I think he's, they, they're still kind of close today, aren't they, those? I forgot how long they were in India. How long was it again? 24 days or something, man. Jesus. Nearly a month in India. I suppose it was a tournament. Yeah, so they were a long, long time and we in got India. To, we got to the semis and things, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, all sorts of stories. Yeah, good stories by, by Simon. That's another one ticked off to this guy. Mm, not many left. Year. Can't be many left. There's a few left, but we've, we've a good run from 1998 onwards. So from 1998 to 2002, we actually have nine in a row there where we got them all. And then the next one missing is Jerry O'Brien. And then obviously Twiggy, Brandon Melee, and then the more recent years, like Jack, Danny, Rory. Yeah. They haven't had their own interview segments yet. There's a few challenging ones there. But uh, we're, we're taking along nicely. Uh, yeah, so that was that. So prof up next. It's Dan Levins and predictions. <laughs> right, so one eye on Pats with this one. And I'm not underestimating. I'm not I'm like Gary O'Neill here. I'm not underestimating UCD, but I feel with the squad that we have, we can rotate. And we're going to go Poles and go Grace Pico Hoare. Um, I'm going to go Poom and Gary O'Neill in the middle. Cavo and Finner. I think we can do the job there. I think Cavo and Finner can get minutes in the legs. And I think we can do a job against UCD with that. With Bourne, Kenny and Watts. Yeah, this is an interesting 11 actually. Yeah, I'm going to go Bourne, Kenny and Watts, give Watts some game time. I can see four or five changes in this team. Anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So I think Poom, I think Gary O'Neill plays no matter what for me. He plays as much as possible. Mm-hmm. He's, he's titanium. So Poom and Watts, or Poom and Gary O'Neill in the middle. Uh, I'm going to go Watts, Kenny and Bourne up front, yeah? Up in that little triangle, you could say. So Finner out right, Cavo out left. Minutes in the legs. And I'm going to go 3-0. 3-0, yeah. going to say, yeah. Cavo and Finner, I want them... Presuming Cabo is back, we've had we've had a few injuries lately. We've had Cabo, Gannon, have been out, but they might make it back in time for UCD. Whereas Dylan Watts probably won't. So I'm not going to pick Watts because I don't think he's going to be fit. Um, yeah, I've got the same back five: Poom, Gary O'Neill, uh, uh, Kenny Byrne. I'm going to play Burke since he hasn't been starting. Ooh. Uh, instead of Watts there, uh, I'm going to play Towel instead of Poom. Ooh. And what else we got? Yeah, that's a bit thing. Um, I'd like to see maybe Greener involved. So, Greener come on in the second half. Not bad show, Prof. Hopefully Nick and Ill go. Yep. So, scoreline, I will say... I'm just going to copy you, actually. I'm going to say 3-0. 3-0. We are currently 11 league games unbeaten and we have won four away games in a row in the league. So that's the best since May 2021. We also won four there. If we were to make it five, we'd be the best since 2020. Remember that winning streak we mm-hmm. had? And we've also won four in a row uh, on the road without conceding. We did that also in 2020. Jesus, that's a superstar. But the last time we did five. Now, I've not looked it up. I won't jinx it. So I'll, I'll come back with it next week. I had a quick look as far back as the 90s. And we've never won five consecutive Whaley games without conceding a goal. 
in the last like 30 years or so so if we do it I will I'll dig that one up yeah so that uh, <coughs> Pats on Monday as well prof. I'm not even going to go for starting 11s I don't know what's going to go on um, I think I think I know the starting 11 I want depends on if it's going if the people are going to be fit it's probably going to be Grace Pico and uh, I'm not even I'm not even going to go into this because mm. it's it's frustrating. I'm gonna to have to tell. Do a prediction anyway. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna get I think we're gonna get away there for with a win. I think it's gonna be a two-one win. It's gonna be tight. Uh, I'll say more goals. I'll say three-one win. Three-one win. Goals will be flowing. It does feel like we're playing Pats a lot, doesn't it? Um, that game was obviously brought forward from the summer because of the European schedule, but it feels like we're playing the same teams every few weeks. Like Bows, we're away to Bows again in June. So we'll have played balls in April, May, and June. It's it's coming thick and fast, isn't it? Um, it is, but it just obviously the it has been rearranged for, because of Europe. But it feels like we're playing the same two or three teams all the time. And the fixture that's coming up is, I hate this word, favorable, hmm. because you know you know how I feel about that. It's yeah. meaningless. Prof does not predict our first six games of the season was favorable. Aside from Derry, and we didn't win any of them, so it is meaningless. But if on paper you look at ours compared to Bows, Bows have Derry next, and we have UCD next, mm. so it could be the time. <laughs> it could be the time, Gary. <laughs> um, I I'm doing I did well in the prediction league this week, Prof. I got the 15 points for the sack race. I think I might have got the biggest haul out of everybody I got a good few I got. I think I got every game correct winner wise a couple of correct scores so this is I'm loving this You, I'm surprised it takes you a couple of minutes do it next year with me it's cool crack so um, I'm flying in that so prediction league hoping to climb up the the, the ranks but prof, that's it for this week we are going to the bowl hopefully the bar is open hopefully there's a few uh, deals a few mm. bottles for the tenner or an old cocktail, but that is it. We'll see you in the Belfield Bowl and keep on hooping. See ya. Someone please save us, us college kids. What my parents told me is what I did. They said go to school and be a college kid. But